All right, full house. All the fellas here. Sam McKee came in studio. What's up, buddy? Good morning. You, well, you look pensive. <laughs> you got me out of my rhythm. I'm yeah, no. the crack 8.30 here for the first <laughs> yeah. time in a month. So at 3 to 5 yeah. life, buddy. Pretty you, good one. Yeah, you did tell me that your morning routine is scroll TikTok for an hour in bed. <laughs> Every social media, it's toxic. Yeah. The amount of social media I do before I get out of bed is not good. I'm so glad that I never did the talk. Oh, Uh, because you'd be me. Yeah. You'd be a full-blown No, I know I'm addicted to it. But but the problem is, you're always like, hey, check this out on Instagram. I'm like, I saw this on the talk like six weeks ago. (laughs) I'm so... Here's the thing. I can can handle it when the youths hammer me about that, right? When I... I, Shoot that to someone because in this industry, you know, we I'm work. at least two years younger than you, buddy. I'm yeah, a youth. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> no. so you're youth, yeah. Do you? No. Not amongst this youth. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> Point he's 22 years old. <laughs> That's not even, it's like, I really, if I got to think about being 22 now, I got to focus. I could be like, okay, what was going on? <laughs> and then how many years after high school was that? No it's, a, it's, it, you got to lock in. You know, you can't just remember 22 off the top of your head. I don't anymore. remember. Anything yeah. my He's the same age as Scotty Barnes. I remember last week. Like, I, just, I'm, I think I'm older than Scotty Barnes. Uh, yeah, maybe that's true. You and Scotty Barnes are hanging out, though, and you, you can relate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's yeah. true. Same generation. Yeah, I don't same. know if we can relate, but... Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You, got, you could relate. You're also... You know, but here's the difference between you and Scotty Barnes. If you ever showed me up publicly, I'd murder you. <laughs> <laughs> I would not be at a podium going, that's my boy, it's cool. It would just be your family getting flowers. <laughs> that's it. I'm on a t-shirt. Yeah, you would be absolutely done. <laughs> There's no way. What happened there? Okay, you didn't see the I John saw the boy? Clip. I saw the clip. I didn't see the John boy. I, listen, I admit to everyone here, I'm a Leaf guy now. I watch yeah. Leafs every night. I have a really hard time with the raps this year. They're well, a tough yeah. watch. Well, and, I, yeah. and the fact that I don't have to do it now, like it's not like it's a, a needed thing when we're, I was hosting more general shows and talking about the raps. Like I've really checked out yeah. from them. And I, I feel bad because I'm a raps fan. I've always been a raps fan. But it's just this season, yeah, it's a tough watch. It's, it's, it's a really tough watch. Dude, it's so awful. I've been and, and the worst part about it is that there's still, I, I understand it from a coverage standpoint. You can't just be going tank, tank, tank. Everybody tank. No, no, you tank, tank, tank. But there is just... When I'm not in it, I'm like, no, but there's every game. Yeah, but that's the thing. There's just like this kind of weird disconnect that's happening right now around some of the narratives where people are talking about this team going, oh, and then it's a good turnaround. They've got this second half schedule and you're going, no, no, no. Th- there's no point here. No, <laughs> there's, get rid of the good guys. Yeah, be trade bad. some guys <laughs> and be bad. They've got these two games coming up against Charlotte. They're huge. Man, they're, Toronto's not out of the mix of the bottom at, four, the which is what you need to be in. like, yeah. oh, man. They're no, down there. They, they could get into the bottom four. And so that Portland win, uh, just pretending like it was good. Scotty Bars did this, and Fred did, I went, this is a horrible nightmare. You want them to lose every single game right now, anybody with half a brain. Anyway, the Barnes thing, John Boy, who is just the man, if yeah, you don't follow really, him. really, really good. He's just, he started off with just doing baseball breakdowns, and then he realized that it's lucrative for him to do it in all sports. Mm-hmm. In fact, some of his best ones are when he trends into the, like, the hockey world, yeah. into sports where there's more cussing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, or he does sports that like people don't even know exist. Yeah, those are the ones yeah, that go crazy. Great. His account is perfect, but he just automatically put together the Barnes that young one mm-hmm. and it actually really did de-escalate it pretty quickly because it's just that young going I'm trying to get you ready and him going I'm ready and then it's kind of him being dismissive and two guys I, I don't think it's that big of a deal in isolation right I don't think that those two guys arguing it publicly it's a little worse because if you think about it 
that does that doesn't happen every day in the NBA, right? So when people go, oh, that's just teammates, I'm like, well, kind of. But I watch a lot of NBA. I watch a lot of sports. It's not like before every game, there's two guys arguing with each other publicly. Was that before the game or at half? No, yeah, uh, can't remember. It was that the before other. the game. Yeah, I thought it was half. But anyways, it doesn't matter. Anyway, um, they're you know bitching at each other and. He said, he's like, basically, Barnes is, get out of my face, old man. Mm-hmm. Thad Young's contract and trade looks great, by the way. He had a couple moments in the playoffs. He's, they won't even play him, and he's a contract. That was an awful trade. Uh, it doesn't look great right now. I, you know what's weird, though? I like watching Thad Young a traded lot of nights. They a first-round pick for him. Yeah, Why did well, they do that? But the way that everyone talks is they traded back in the draft. Still. Yeah, they got Coloco. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much better they would have gotten. The guy Coloco. that broke up. The altercation, altercation. Yeah, it's true. It was weird. It was it was Bo Cruz who's never hit a shot. I, I have I've yet to see Hernan Gomez hit a three. I am so <laughs> devastated that he stinks because I watched that incredible movie. Hustle. I know it's awesome. It no, the movie's Is changed for everybody in Raptors. And like you can never not see no. him. Like, like why this couldn't guy's he gonna just be say, Bo Cruz? No. And then he's just like he stinks. But, but why couldn't he just stay in an irrelevant market where we never saw him, so that he could just remain Bo Cruz but in our minds? This myth or something like yeah, that. Yeah, because now he's ne- he is not Bo Cruz. You can't yeah. separate him from him missing every shot with the Raptors. Seriously, just one time hit an open three. It's like wh- Bo Cruz wide open for three. Oh, he missed by three feet. Okay, great. What a pickup. And he plays anyway. The Raptors. This this is what I do think is a bigger deal about it. Um, Barnes has clearly had just this weird season where he's been criticized about not <sighs> he's, he's gotten it from a lot of different angles. Raptors, Twitter and Raptors fans have really tried to do the whole progress isn't linear thing. And I get it. I'm there too. Do I think Barnes is probably going to be fine over the course of his career? Yeah. Um, you see it and you've seen it lately where if he drives, there's not too many guys that can stop him from getting to his spot. And then once he gets to that spot, which is around the basket, two feet in the paint, as I always say, he's got that little baby hook that mm-hmm. it's just, it goes in all the time. It's a devastatingly effective move. Um, his defense has been a huge issue this year, like just massive. He, he's not played it. Yeah. And I know that's not a, a main point of focus for a lot of people, but when people look at why the Raptors have taken a step back, the guy that was supposed to defend every single position, yeah, that, that like has not worked out for him whatsoever. Anyway, um, Throughout the course of the year, it became a little bit of, hey, was this guy doing enough during the offseason? What's going to happen here? What's up with the attitude? He's had some really tough moments. Like I mentioned the game that I was at, the courtside game against the Grizzlies, where he gets barely poked and he goes off the floor in the middle of the play, goes to the tunnel, comes back two seconds later, and then is like bitching out a ref in front of everybody, angry, like he's... Uh, well, that's the ref's favorite thing to do. I mean, the rap's favorite thing to do. Well, yeah. Just scream at the rap it's just, all, the all the time now. Yeah, it hasn't, it, it hasn't been a great year for Barnes, okay? But the main thing is, is like, he does represent the future of the Raptors, right? And so you can be patient with Scotty Barnes. That's not how Pascal Siakam feels in his prime season. Mm-hmm. That's not how Thad Young probably feels in year... 16 or whatever of his career. It's certainly not how Fred Van Vliet feels. Every time, you know, we, we heard that Fred interview recently and he was talking about how, hey, um, we, we don't really know where we are as a team. Like, what is the direction of the team? That's leaked out a couple of times from the players. Like, what exactly is the purpose of this season? I think that's what that was. That was the boiling over of, you know, if you might have a long career ahead of you, Scotty Barnes, but some of these other guys, they are sick of losing this season. They're not used to losing this season. And... They're kind of tired of, what? are we getting traded? Are we getting moved? Are we trying to win these games? Are we trying to tank these games? What What exactly is the agenda here? 
the two streams thing is just it's it's clearly over. They got to pick a direction. Well, there anyway. was there was never really a plan going into this season though no. in terms of well, what they were trying to be. Like I guess they had a decent year last year. They make the playoffs. They take uh, what they was it six games they lost to Philly. Could have been even you know. Remember we watched that game the first half. It was so good. You're like, oh my god, this might go seven. And then the second half was one of the worst watching experiences of my life. In the yeah. Raptors. <laughs> well, and, and beats game winner too. Yes, and I, just, yeah. I, I don't I don't necessarily know if there's been you know a solid plan. On they're kind of like half pregnant here. They're wanting to compete. They're wanting yeah. to they're wanting to develop. Like I don't I've never the last couple but that of years, has worked for them. Yeah, I guess it's worked. But I don't know. I just got spoiled with the championship, and you just you wonder what the total overall plan is with this team. Okay. So like there's, it seems to me that like they kind of bought themselves a lot of runway with that championship yeah. and they're kind of, That's which, is, coming, which, is, which is true. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's come to an end. Like I feel no, like everybody coming to an end. Well, people but I still are, feel like they're pretty, the front office is pretty, you know, well defended. Like they have a lot of people that defend them pretty hard. Yeah, of course, as they should, but except for, it just feels like yeah. they've, them getting that championship has given them an excuse to kind of turn this team into a science experiment. Like everybody's got to be six yeah. nine and can't shoot and all this. It's like, can we just have positions? Is that, well. is that allowed? Like I, you know, like are we? I don't know. It's just I don't necessarily love the direction of the team right now. Like I really, I really wish that they had a good team surrounding Pascal Siakam, who's an All NBA guy. I wish. I get. Anyways, no. Well, all I was gonna say is the thing with Barnes is people, the Raptors have had success developing younger players around winning teams, right? Siakam was developed around winning teams. They got Fred developed around winning teams. Mm-hmm. Like, they had Powell develop around winning teams. There was second-round pick. There were lots of good cases, lots of good instances of this. The thing is, though, is that Pascal Siakam's hitting his career strides as an NBA player in his ages. So good. Yeah, but he when he was 27 and 28 years old, we just said Scotty Barnes is younger than Jobo. Just crazy. Like... It's going to take a little while before Scotty Barnes is fully fleshed out Scotty Barnes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, is he the future of the Raptors? Has it been a disappointing season for him? Absolutely, it has been. But this whole idea of, like, merging the timelines in hindsight does look a little stupid mm-hmm. given that, like, what is the history of the league with 21-year-old basketball players taking the reins of being just a co-pilot on winning teams? It's just, it's not really there. I'm thrilled to be on the right side of history saying that I would have traded him for Kevin Durant in the offseason. Yes. <laughs> Like, everyone's like, oh, you can't. Tra-. It's like, oh, you mean the guy having no, an MVP I, season? That was so <laughs> weird that yeah. he was somehow untouchable. It's like, oh, it's like, like Kevin Durant. For yeah. Kevin yeah. Durant. But it, it, but it was untouchable because you couldn't, if you could have just done the contract swap straight up, right? Barnes for Durant. Fine. But it I was would. like, you had to give up. You had to figure out, okay, what else goes out? But it's going to be OG. And, sure, the principle of it was insane. Yes. And, yeah. But that was always brought up by here. Even, you know, we had Blake in here and every, it's like everyone said, yeah, of course you trade Scotty Barnes for him straight up. Not but everybody said that. Yeah, well, not everybody, but that's because some people are, Unserious. you know, they're just Raptors fans. Yes. And yeah, people freaked out a little bit about, well, what if he doesn't want to be here? Like Kawhi? Like when you won the championship? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, anyways, uh, Sammy's here, my co-host on Leafs Talk. Subscribe, review. Again, it always helps us when you uh, hit that subscribe button, when you leave five stars, do all that stuff up every, after every Leaf game. You and Borny did it yesterday. Good mm-hmm. little stream. Yeah. I watched it. God, it's always he's so, weird. He's so handsome. Yeah, he is handsome. You guys are definitely the, the, <laughs> like, the power rankings of the handsome stream. It sucks being number three. It sucks. Got to bring in. We got to bring in more co-hosts, more just dorks. <laughs> Ugly dorks is the new prerogative of Lee Stock. That's that's got to be a thing. I, there's no more. The handsome guy quota is full. Yes. You know, guys who can grow beards. Uh, yeah. Done. You know, actually, that that should be what we do. You and Borny got to shave. <laughs> you guys got to shave. So it looks like uh, Leafs talk with Marianne Alton, my mom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when I shave because I look exactly like her. Anyways. Anyway, I wanted to bring you in today to do uh, Leafs. 
I don't know, Leafs awards, mm. Leafs mid-season stories, go through some of the lists kind of retroactively. We hit game 41, and this isn't what we do on Leafs talk, right? What we do is break down the exact game. Again, you and Bourne did a good job yesterday. I liked a lot of the points. I actually thought, huh, this is a better show when I'm not on it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no. yeah I was that. like, this is, this is quality. Oh, dude, there's some guy right now just nodding in his car, right? Like, he's right. He's right. <laughs> it's the only good take he's ever had. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so I sent you a list of topics, mm-hmm. and then I actually have right a couple of just uh, little side ones that are easy to answer. Yeah. So Leafs midseason awards, Leafs midseason checkpoint, whatever the hell. Uh, let's start with this. Story of the season to you so far. I think that you're just in the exact same scenario with a death march to the playoffs to play the same team you've played every, the last year. And <laughs> Doom? Play- yeah, dude, doom. the Toronto weather it's has doom. gone to you. No, it's doom. <laughs> Gloom. You're the gloomed dude, out. Listen, I want to be positive about the Leafs. They're playing but that's so the future well. story. No, it's, that's the now story to you? It is. Okay. I mean, like, what are the big games left? The games they play against Boston? The games they play against Carolina? Could Boston just lose, like, Never. one they game? Lo- they win every... They, do you know... <laughs> I love they're like, oh, they're going out to Carolina. Yeah. That means they're going out to California. They might yeah. have a tough time. 8-1 yeah. of the Docs last night. Hey, you know, <laughs> guess, guess what uh, I did yesterday. My favorite bet ever, which is good teams uh, in-game bet covering one and a half against crappy teams. Last night, I, bu- I bought the Bruins mm. at minus 135 to win by a goal and a half. Wow. What was the, what was the score when you bought it? I, it was 2-1. Oh, wow. That's yeah. bad. Guess what I did? I put a lot of money on yeah, it. Yeah, I can imagine. I was rich yesterday. Yeah, Coward Parlay <laughs> hit. I hit that Bruins Thanks, bet. I, Thanks yeah, for money. I I, just, I'm flush today. Um, <laughs> I'm feeling good. So, yeah, I, I don't want to be doom and gloom, but yep. I, I want to be excited because I do think they look better this year than they did last year defensively. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can talk about Morgan Riley a little bit later, but I do think that it is just the the regular season. Everybody talking, oh, the regular season doesn't matter. The re-. It really doesn't. Like, that's the story to me. Like, we, it's true. It has come true. We all talked about that in the preseason, and that story has come true. They're not Ooh. moving up. They're not moving down. They're playing the Tampa Bay Lightning in March, in April. Yeah. Like, that's the story to me. Like, it's yeah. like, it's preparing to play Tampa. Yeah, you're, I, I will say this. I do these shows with you now every, yeah. every day. Mm-hmm. I've seen you since you've come back from Mexico. Yeah. You came back to the weather. You, you've been a little, you've been a little doomy gloomy guy. <laughs> no, it's you, true. You've been a doomy gloomy oh, guy. What's the story? Hey. Oh, oh, Mitch Marner's yeah. been unbelievable. Yeah. Is that no, the story? Like I, the I got, story is that they're playing the I got, goddamn yeah, Tampa Bay Lightning see, again. See? Hey, this is <laughs> true. And this is doom talk by <laughs> okay, the, Mr. Doomy Gloom. No, hey, ultimately that to me is the. It's a big overarching story of the season. But to me, the story of the season so far has been the team defense. Mm. That, that's been why I feel a little differently about this team. And I know that that's kind of idiotic at times to go, like, there is nothing more embarrassing as a Leafs fan, a Leafs commentator to go, the reason why I feel different this year, the second you say it, no. you feel like... You're literally the, the guy that said, oh, there's always next year. You're the most embarrassing guy. <laughs> you're the most embarrassing person when you step to the plate with that. I cannot imagine having to do this in a not safe space Going down to like Boston, right? And if I had to be a guest on a Boston sports radio show, I just be, decline that. Request, no, but by they, the way. they go. So, how do you feel about the Leafs this year? And I was like, so the reason why <laughs> the I team feel defense is elite. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I just look at this group and I think that it could be different. Is they just would be cackling? Hey, 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 all those guys. <laughs> ugh, they'd be laughing. They would be laughing. But to me, the story of the season so far has been that the way that they play hockey is to me more conducive to winning. And, and they really seem to be a group that has bought into a lot of what Sheldon Keefe's messaging has been for the last couple of years. The attention to detail has gone up. Their main forwards have all bought in. I actually think 
probably, you know, we're going to do underrated stories of the season or whatever, but this isn't my answer, but I would put it in there is that Matthews is so good defensively that Mm -hmm. he actually, if he just killed some penalties, he would 100% be in the Selkie conversation. He made a couple plays last night specifically where he's just between the hash marks below the goal line in his own zone constantly. He's he's a beast. He's an absolute beast. And all of his five on five numbers reflect that. Anyways, you've gotten William Nylander, who's now locked into this Mitch Marner, who's been obviously brilliant at it all season long. Mm -hmm. And Austin Matthews, the three main focal points of the team going, yep, we get it. We're going to play a 200 foot game. We're all going to buy into this. And, and there haven't, there's been a few lapses. Yeah. It's an 82 game season. And Keith keeps trying to every once in a while, he kind of pulls that little bit of a lever when they only, only after they've had like two or three games of it in a row where they haven't performed up to that defensive standard, he'll kind of mention it and go, we're getting a little loose with the puck. We're getting a little loose with the attention to detail. And then what do they do every single time refocus it. Anyways, Leafs are top five in goals against top 10 and expected goals against, um, they're top five in high danger goals against, like, and those being positive stats, by mm. the way. Yeah. Um, and they've got 80 games missed to injury amongst their top 70. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, you look at that, and, and I'm, by the way, that's including Muzzin, yeah. who's been gone basically the entire season, but I think that it's fair to include Muzzin. Well, he was on the roster to start the year. But, like, they've had all these interchangeable parts they've thrown in, doesn't matter. They've had all these kind of different looks among players, and guess what they've always had is a strong defensive group, a strong defensive showing. So, to me, like, that is the story of the season. That is why I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic is just, like, they, they are a team that can win low-event games, and then they have these superstars at the very top that can finish with the best of them. And, yeah, I... I, I just think no matter what happens this year, even if it is another first round exit to Tampa, there is part of me that goes, this year was progress because of the way that these guys have matured. It's a lost season. There's no doubt about it. I'm not going to spin that yeah. out and be like, I'm thrilled. They took we'll, a talk, step. we'll talk about that. No, no, I'll be as pissed off as anybody. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, we'll no, talk about hey, that the day after they lose to bro, Tampa the first round. You know we'll talk me. About that. I, I think that the lamest thing you can do when your team loses in the playoffs is be like, Way to go, gang. Line yeah. Hey, way to go. I'm out there clapping. That's for your mom to do. You yeah. know, like that's for your mom to be. Yeah, you did uh, great. Yeah, like, and Pete. Yeah, and Pete. And loser Pete. Uh, anyway, uh, that's it for me. Yeah. I'm sorry to be so negative, but I just, I can't, okay. ha- I can't help but measure everything against that first round. It all, all that matters is the first round against Tampa. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. The, the story of the season overall is, is do that- they get out of the playoffs first round? Yes. That's- so yeah, you're you're right. I'm okay. looking at it as what is at the midway mark. Yeah. What has been the story season so far? Different ways. Okay, um, I'm going to save midseason MVP. I'm going to skip oh. it for a second. Oh, okay, I'm going to shuffle it up. Yeah, I'm going to save it because Ooh, I'm, throw me a curveball here. Well, I'm going to. I was t- practicing on the subway, so now yeah. I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like looking in your phone. Yeah, yeah, do the beats. No, I'm just going to save it for after the break because my tease for midseason MVP is it's not Mitch Warner. No, I. I, I had to. Do, I did a lot of digging last night, and okay. it, I just think. Here's what I say: It wasn't as clear to me as I thought it was going to be. Okay. Biggest overachiever, John Tavares. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Make the case. I mean, everybody said he stunk and he sucked and he couldn't play anymore and he's too old and slow. Makes eleven and, sheets. And he hurt. Hard to, I mean, he had oblique injury and sp- was that this? That was this. Uh, spray? Yeah. Oh, sorry, no, this. the oblique thing and then yeah. showing up everyone and being was, the heartbeat like, of the team for the first couple yeah, weeks. Was everyone was like, this guy is done. Yeah. You know, he can't earn this money. And he's like, oh, wait, he's still John Tavares. He's going to finish with 82 points in 82 yeah. games. Like, he's just, he's John Tavares and everybody thought he wasn't. So for me, like, you can say, oh, it's Pontus Holmberg. Or you can say, yeah. oh, it's David Camp. Or, you know, yeah. you can say one of these guys. But the guy that is outperforming his expectations the most going into the, uh, going into the season is John Tavares. 
I don't agree. You he's, don't agree. Well, he's a point of game player. He has yeah. been his whole career. He's a point but of game player. But everybody said he stunk. Everyone yeah, wrote but him those off. Those guys are the people who say he stunk are idiots. Everyone. No, you guys. Every Leaf fan you talked to, man, was like, oh, I'm worried about Judge. Yeah, like, don't give me a break. Yeah. Like, everybody was worried about him going into a this year. A lot of people have been worried about him. There's no doubt about it. And even if you, I know he scored a bunch of points. He's gotten his cookies over the last couple of games. Because guess what? Hey, he, the guy who gets he's a point. He's the number one cookie driven man. Yeah. When he gets an early goal, yeah. he's the fastest guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's a cookie monster. Buddy, but you think still. that a guy through his entire track record of playing hockey gets a ton of points isn't well, just we, mo- t- we talked about this on Thursday with Kipper and Moore. We were yeah. joking. He was like, oh, he's falling below his. his no, he gets and, and then I was like, yeah, he'll get five the next three and then yeah. he'll be back on his pace. He's 100% going to get there. He's fine. Anyway, Tavares to me is just, yeah, has he overachieved to a certain degree? I would say yes. Mm-hmm. But I guess I contextualize this in this from the standpoint of, who did we not expect as much from, but also money? And if you're a point of game player, you're John Tavares. Like he looks exactly like John Tavares. Mm. I, I haven't looked at him and gone, oh my god. To be early part Probably of the season, better than John Tavares. Early on, he did, but lately he has sort of cooled off. Yeah. And I know cooling off still means dominating, getting a ton yeah. of points the last couple of games. But either way, I would say that he's pretty much where I expected him to be right now. If you okay. told me, hey, game 41, Tavares is going to have. Point of game. Hot stretches, point of game, cold stretches, play with Mitch Marner. It's going to work out. Yeah, Mm. great. Uh, I think he's right where he needed him to be. Mine is Giordano. Okay. I just, dude, he's second most on the team in five-on-five minutes. For sure. And he's showing it recently. Yeah. (laughs) He hasn't missed a game. Hasn't missed a game. (laughs) Making 800K. And if you just look at a bunch of... He's he's playing too much. Here's the thing. He's He's playing way too much. But... The role that he took, when we're talking about, hey, this team's focused defensively, so much of why they've been able to maintain their level on the blue line is because this guy will do it all for them. He'll kill penalties for them. He'll play heavy five-on-five minutes. He's been jumping around with different partners, and it's been super effective. I was looking at this, and this will be kind of coming up a little bit later too, but defensive pairings that the Leafs have had with over 100 minutes, their best one from an analytical standpoint has been Gio and Sandine. How often have they played together? Over 124 minutes. Really? Yeah. This year's season? Yep, five on five. I I don't remember that. Yeah, man, I exactly. watch every game and I they know. play that much together? That's what I'm so saying. So his number one pairing has been Hall, though, right? His number one pairing has been him and Hall. Yeah. But five on five, actually, those two guys have only played together five more minutes. What? Yeah. That's mind-blowing to me. I was surprised by that, too. That's really crazy. Like, anyway, I, I just, he's been a stud for them. Mm-hmm. He's been an absolute constant for them. Sorry, I screwed that up, man. No, it's way wrong. Uh, okay. I was looking at Brody Hall. Um, oh, that's okay. no, no. They played over double together. Yeah, I was like, that doesn't make any no. sense. I was like, what's happening here? I was like, my <laughs> no. I, was like, I am up for thirty. I know. That's me. I just had the cursor over the wrong thing. Uh, uh, yeah, that makes way more sense. Yes, I was like, that, that's why I looked again. I was like, that can't be. Right. <laughs> 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 we watch all these games, Dude, man. <laughs> I, I was, was going to be like the Joe Rogan podcast, having to issue apologies <laughs> on Twitter for misinformation like ten minutes. Later. Uh, I said Connor Timmons was yeah. left-handed. Yeah, it happens. It happens. Anyways, I just, Giordano has given them, I think, uh, a real personality on the blue line. I think that when we're, we've talked about things like team toughness and team buy-in, he's absolutely been those things. Mm-hmm. He's looked way better than I ever expected him to be. And yes, does he look like a guy who's slowing down a little bit right now? A hundred percent. But he also, this was a wild one to me too. In uh, November, December, he played, uh, <laughs> he's just as an absolute machine guy just plays, um, he played 12 straight games with over 20 minutes. Yeah, when they didn't have anybody on the decor. Like, yeah. He was their top pairing guy. Yeah. And Hall played the most minutes. For a guy that's making, and I know his he's circumstantially 800K. He could have made more. He wanted to be here, blah, blah, blah. But 
Yeah, he's for all the love Jason Spezza got here, and I think he deserves a lot. I still say build the Spezza statue, you know, mm-hmm. put him on Legends Row, steal him from the Sens. With the knee flying yeah. on Pionk's head. Yes. That's what the statue should be. Fighting in the playoffs, everything. <laughs> Giving you goals in the playoffs. You look at the secondary scoring for the Leafs That's the it. last couple of years, it's just all Spezza. <laughs> Clappers. Uh, Giordano's given them so much more than Spezza gave them any regular season. It's, yeah, not even comparable. So, yeah, he's my biggest overachiever. Um, biggest underachiever. Morgan Riley. Okay. Yeah. I think, you know, availability is a big part of, um, you know, being good. And he mm-hmm. was hurt for a long period of time. I know that's not his fault, but he was hurt for a long period of time. Wasn't very good before that. It was a lot of conversations. He hasn't scored yet. He's come mm-hmm. back. They haven't been very good defensively since he came back. You can also talk about the goalies having an 852 during that stretch. Like, I'm not going to put it all on Riley. But yeah. to me, it's pretty clear that he's the biggest underachiever. Jobo, what's the record with Riley versus not? So the Leafs without Riley is 12-2-1. and one, Yeah. And with Riley, it's 13-7-6. and six. Mm. So they're a 500 club with Morgan Riley yeah. on the ice. Yeah. So I think those numbers right there to me prove the point. Like, yeah. he's definitely been an underachieving player, especially when he's your top pick guy. Your answer is right. Who's yours? Nick Robertson. Oh, well, well here's, the, here's why. <laughs> Let me make the case. So I was looking at this just, uh, okay, because the big story lately has been Yarncroc. Hey, he's a guy who can play with good players. And yeah, Yarncroc's a professional NHLer, and he's been mm-hmm. around the block, and Nick Robertson's a developing guy. So there's reasons not to compare the two. But yeah, um, Nick Robertson uh, in 15 games had five points, and he only had one game with goals. And he played with those guys, like in a bunch of them. Yarn Kroc, since playing with those guys, has five goals and 15 points. And yeah, he's got four goals and 11 in his last nine since he returned from the injury. Like, he's been really good. Yeah, he's been really good. But the point is, is that you get to play with those two guys. Life should be pretty simple. Life should be pretty easy. And what have people talked about with Yarn Kroc? Oh, he's got a really nice shot. Because you get and to he, set up, and he, and he fights, and he fights to the spots. Dude, he does. He's he, bigger. He's, he's stronger. He's much more of a man. Like there's yes, he is. Yeah. My point is though, is that if you are just a guy who can shoot the puck, playing with those two guys and being able to kind of get around that that area around the hash bar, it's kind of the. Uh, where would you rank that among the best jobs in hockey right Very now? High. Yeah, it's pretty good being the yarn croc, right? Yeah. It's, there's a reason why his stats got inverted. Robertson really never showed that. And why he's disappointing is because the preseason, he dominated. Yeah. He was the, oh, I was, oh, he was the Brandon Cozen where people went, mm-hmm. hey, it's the undersized guy who's lighting up the preseason. Hey, this guy's going to have an impact. I was pissed off that he started the year down and that they chose Malgan over him. I still actually think that that's an underrated story is that they should have just cut bait with Malgan. They should have flipped them somewhere. Now they should... wouldn't have Dryden Hunt. For the yeah, bottom, well, yeah, the maybe not. Six. Maybe not. But to me, it was like, Killing the momentum for that kid might have hurt his season. I don't know. Either to way, me, it's me, just he's been disappointing, were, man. You and I were on hurt. different planes with Robertson. Yeah, like you always I, I had a believing. lot more belief than I did, and yeah. it maybe maybe helped that I didn't see any of the preseason because I was on my honeymoon. So maybe I didn't have that in the back of my mind. Yeah. But I just never really believed in Robertson. Yeah, and to me, it's just like I. This is you know I always when I when the Leafs were playing well and being good and going into the playoffs, I never really expected Robertson to be involved. If I'm being completely honest. Yeah. I, here's the thing. The God, def- it must suck watching his brother score every night. Yeah, the defenseman making seven and a half million dollars. That's an offensive defenseman With who no was goals. given up as yeah, he was zero goals <laughs> and he was given up more than he's getting. Is yeah. yeah, it's it's clearly him. I just the thing is, I guess for me, this you're right. This is an exercise in. I've never been as high on Riley as some other people. So to me, this is actually a little bit of a feeling of I've, he's never been this before. No. But this is a little bit more of me going, huh, this is kind of what I've been saying to everybody is it's not all, you know, peaches and cream with this guy. There's, uh, yeah. Uh, there's th- some warts. Yeah, there's some warts to this. Yeah. And, yeah, 
um, with Robertson. I, I just thought that the Leafs needed a young guy to step into one of these roles. And it turned out to be Holmberg, who's actually giving them like significant minutes. But yeah, dude, I just, I want, I wanted him to be a guy. And like now, what is he even as a trade piece now that he's hurt and he's coming off of his second year where I don't, I don't think they you, showcased him in the, I don't think you trade him now. No, you have to put him back on that awesome Marley's team. That's just dominating yeah. every single night and yeah. hope that he can Joe recoup. Wall, by the way. Yeah. Joe Wall, the future. He's hot. Joe Wall, Steve's. They got, yeah, they 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 got some they got some fellows down on the Marlies right now that are. I think I think Joe Wall is a nine four three right now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's got a, or maybe in his how many games he's played? Not many, right? He's like I think he's eight. No, mm, he's he's definitely undefeated. And then there's that Noel Hoffenmeyer kid. He's mm. twenty three. He's not nice. a child, but nice Marlies talking. Yeah. yeah As a quick aside, it's ridiculous how poorly supported they are, and I and I put myself in that in that category. Yeah. I watch highlights from their games. And there's like twelve people there. I'm like, this is. Yeah. One step below the NHL for cheap. Haven't in you your gone city. with me before? I've been like once, and it was like the semifinal yeah. game. No, you seven. can sit. You can sit right there. I know it's sad that yeah. no one goes. Anyways, and, you know, my, don't get derailed, no, my but. embarrassing one is that I went to all those Calder Cup playoff games. Yeah. I watched Garrett Sparks dominate. Oh, you loved him. Yeah, I did. Oh yeah, great I watched, pads. I watched Andreas Johnson get sent back down to the Marlies and basically look like. Wayne Gretzky. No, he was so good. <laughs> His Conor McDavid of the NHL. Dude, he was, he was incredible yeah. during that run. Yeah. The Marlies won. They were stacked. And I went, I'm going to dedicate myself to going to more of these games and committing. How many Vincent? I, I think I've been one to one Marley's games. Who <laughs> was that, 2017? I know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like 10 years I, ago. Do you remember when the whole pandemic when Everyone then. did the whole, we got a championship hockey team in the city and nobody cares. I went, all right, let's relax yeah. a little. Let's yeah. the brakes on. They chanted yeah. Ben Smith, well, stay two, one more year for yeah. Ben Smith at the, uh, at the rally. The so. most annoying part is that like, Todd three, Lushko stole him to, yes, to but Germany. <laughs> the three bloggers that cover the Marley's t- trying to take way more credit for, you know, yeah, just, yeah. Ugh, that was always yeah. too much. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, let's do one more and then let's okay. take the break. Most underrated story? Uh, I think Sheldon Keefe. Mm. I think he, you know, you see every list come out for the Jack Adams and all this stuff, and he's never mentioned. Mm. And, you know, you talk about all this buy-in. You talk about the team defense. You talk about the injuries, the man game loss, everything. Like, doesn't he have one of the best winning percentages in the history of the NHL with, like, 300 games coach? Like, he is really good coach. Every single place this guy's gone – They've won way more than they've lost. And I'm not talking about a little bit. I'm talking about a lot. Like, you can talk about the Marlies and them having a stacked team and them making the most money. But you go back to Junior. You go back to Pembroke. And, like, he wins no matter where he goes. And he's doing it again in the NHL. He's got a really great team this year that's humming. And I think, you know, he just doesn't get any buzz for being the coach of the year. Uh, To me, (sighs) it's just like he's in the number one media market. Everybody's, I think, more critical of him than they are, I think, praise from a day-to-day basis and to me like i listen if they don't make it past the first round you might get mm-hmm. fired which is crazy yeah but he may be the Dwayne casey may when coach of the year and then get fired just to me it's like yeah he it's underrated how good the leaders are underneath him and they had so many injuries in the back end to me it's sheldon keith well here's the problem is they they flash that graphic right of all-time winning percentages by head coaches yeah. and he's among the top five mm-hmm. He's like third or second. Uh, among he's, active coaches, he's number one. Yeah, among active. Six, eight, one. I'm saying all time. He's, six, eight, he's one. Top, yeah, no, yeah. he wins all the regular season games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess this is my sort of doom and gloom mm-hmm. version of the why where the playoffs matter is, yeah, he's below 500 in the playoffs. Yeah, he hasn't won yeah. a series, and it just... And, and, was and frankly, he's been out-coached. Yeah. yeah, and so, yeah, 
the team is awesome in the regular season under Sheldon Keefe. We have learned that they... It's the, a regular season award. That, that they have... Yep. And so... And this is all I'm saying is yeah. I kind of understand why there has been a little bit of... Yeah, hesitation to just throw flowers at this guy's feet. One, it's been done before. He's gotten a lot of flowers in this market post-Babcock. There was a lot of time where he got a lot of flowers. Two is, I I think that this is true too, and I don't think a lot of media members would admit this. I don't know. I'm trying to think of if it's true for me, and I'll put my hand up if people think it is, but I don't actively think about it. So many people thought he was going to get fired that I think that there is a little bit of sheepishness of like, oh, okay, well, he's been great. But also... As much as they have turned it around and there's this awesome team right now, if you were a coach that was almost fired during the regular season, I think that should count for at least a little bit of our look back here as a percentage of the season. He did recover from it, though, great. His team bought in. First 10 games, we all thought he was. Yeah, like, anyway, I think Keith, you're right, deserves a lot of credit. He's probably not getting enough, but I still think that the biggest underrated story is, well, it's two guys. It's Nylander and it's Brody, and I really couldn't decide. Brody. Well, no, Brody no one talks about him. Dude, he's so good. Brody, Brody's suppression numbers are <laughs> insane. He's but, but to me, the biggest thing is again, I'm going to natural stat trick, and what I'm looking. What were the at, Flames fans? I'm gonna never forget. Hey, I'm oh doing the God, show. I'm so glad you brought this doing up. Doing the show was, the day after they yeah. signed Brody. Me and Gunner were doing the show in the morning. Yeah. On Saturday morning, I'll never forget. Or maybe it was Wonger. I can't like, forget who he's it was. More, he's Jake Gardner. Yeah, Jake Gardner. I was like, Jake Gardner? This could not be further I've from that experience. I've never seen anyone <laughs> least less like Jake Gardner play hockey that, ever. <laughs> like he's I, buddy, the opposite of Jake Gardner. I remember that last night prepping this yeah. to the point where I thought, I should get a Calgary person on to tell Toronto what it was like. Because <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. First of all, he, he only makes $5 million bucks. Which, they pay him more? Yeah. He should make more. He should make more. Yeah, that's a weird contract well, he signed. Bad well, agent. You know, well, here's the, the, what I think is great. If you're Connor Timmons' agent, you're going, thank you for this. <laughs> yeah. Because this is this is the TJ Brody stat for how important he is to this team. Um, among all defensive pairings that the Leafs have trotted out there, there's only been six yeah, of them that have played over, two, oh, over 100 minutes of ice time together. Mm-hmm. Um They've got the highest expected goals for percentage. Man, their, yeah. their nerd numbers are dominant to the point where you go, should he play more? And it's like, no, it's just, this is the yarn crock thing is, hey, if you actually put a better guy next to the awesome guy, you're going to be fine. Anyway, Brody is just the ultimate fixer. Again, you put him next to just about anybody and it works out. The only guy where the goals for percentage that he plays with is uh, over 100 minutes that's below 50% um, is Morgan Riley at 41. Tough, again, look for Mo, but everybody else... Uh, Justin Hall, right? He's had this season where everyone thought he was going to be the whipping boy. He was off the team, blah, 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 blah. Uh, goal four percentage, Justin Hall, TJ Brody on the ice, 70%. Yeah, TJ Brody is their best defenseman. Yeah, just it's it's just, and no one really, he never comes up in conversations. He's never a guy that you talk about. You never see him in front of the media because he hates it. Oh my God, him, he's so bad. Dude, him talking to the media oh is genuinely, it's, it's how I feel when I have to go to the doctor. <laughs> Same feeling. You're just like, no, there's got to be a way that we don't have to do this. I'll just die. I'll just I'd die. die. I'd rather just die than do this. Anyway, Brody just deserves some kind of love. But then, no, to me, the underrated story is still Nylander because, man, he's... Uh, I've said this before, but he he has looked as good as Matthews and Marner on a lot of nights, and those are two of the Most best. Nights. Yeah, those are two of the best 10, 12 players in the NHL. That's I agree with this take. I think there's a lot, like you mentioned with Keefe, in terms of people that have killed him forever. Yeah. Like, you know, when we were talking about firing Keefe earlier in the year and all that stuff, and that's why maybe people are a little hesitant to give him credit. It's the exact same thing with Willie because they've had five, yeah. six straight seasons of calling this guy whatever, and, you know, he's the most polarizing guy. And I think there's a lot of people hesitant to give him credit because of how the bad things they've said about him. Yeah. And listen, like, I 
Just he could have he could have forty five goals this year. Yeah, he's been unbelievable, like, man. <laughs> and like his like, like imagine a forty five goal scorer in Toronto's like Maple Leaf fan history. You know how many times you've seen a talent like Nylander and him being under those two guys. And you're right, I think that because they are the PP Whack Boys, mm-hmm. and we're a little afraid of yeah Nylander having those. It, to me, there's almost this little bit of fear of hey, he gets too much credit, and then all of a sudden he just goes. Well, in the tank. that's the num- that's the thing. Whenever Sheldon keeps asked about him, he never fully gives him credit. Like he always, I like that. Me too. Trying to earn it. He's always like, oh, you know, we like what, but we really feel like he can do this. We really feel like he can do that. And like, he's doing it. And, you know, we talked about this a couple of Leafs talks ago, but I, I've never been like a hater or a lover of Willie. I've kind of been down the middle with him pretty much his whole career. Yep. Same. He has gone to a level that I don't think I ever expected. Mm -hmm. Like I never, Mm -hmm. like I thought he was a great player. I thought he was making, you know, a reasonable contract, Thought he was really overachieving that, even that. But this year he is an $11 million player in the NHL. Like he, if he, we're talking about his next contract extension. Yeah. You know what Pasternak's going to get? It's going to be around that. Like he really, really has gone to a level I never expected. So I think it is a little bit underrated, but people are very afraid. Everyone's afraid that it's going to go back to two weeks of not noticing him. I don't think it's going to happen, but like, that's in there. So I think that's why people are hesitant. Yeah. I just, I couldn't be more impressed with the guy. Agree. And you're right. I've, I've been pretty down the middle this year. He's been, I would, among my favorite Leafs to watch, you know, he's been very high for me. Like we do Agree. Leafs talk every night and I have, I usually have a lot of Nylander notes and they're mm-hmm. almost always positive. And even now there's times where like you see him battling along the boards in ways that he never did before. And you go, holy crap, this is insane for him. Um, and like Barney said it best, he could skate as fast as he want with a glass of water on his head. Yeah, and I do love that. Over. I do love that. The only thing I've never been down the middle on with Nylander is people who call him Bill. I think that's embarrassing. I hate Bill. Yeah. Anybody who calls him Bill Nylander is just, Ugh. you got to go. Moon jail immediately. I prefer, I prefer William Ugh. to Bill. Yeah. No. Yeah, people go, Bill. Like, Bill Nye, the scoring no, guy. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. Oh, yeah. That's, that's oh, bad. Yeah, that's, that's, that's oh, see, that's sorry. I didn't yeah, we got to take a break. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, take a break. Take you got to reset. Yeah, we'll come back. I'm just going to, yeah. Midseason MVP, I thought was, I, ch- I tried to be cute, and then it turned out to be. You were trying to zigging and zagging? I was trying to zig and zag, yeah. and then, I yeah. It. I Let's, love a good Zach. Yeah. And then uh, I'll also meet a couple of my dumb speed. Anyways, you want to weigh in on any of this stuff, shoot a line uh, at Sam A. McKee, at JD Bunkus. Um, yeah, both Twitter and Instagram. Or again, you just do a nice thing. You could leave a review, five stars. Do you disagree with anything? Hit us up. Uh, quick break. We'll come back with uh, MVP and our dumbest takes. Sportsnet 590. All right. So we're doing Leafs midseason awards. JD Bunkus, Sam McKee. Uh, the hosts of Leafs Talk and Bourne, but he's not here today. We never try to make Bourne do more work, all right? He's a busy guy. Um, all right, midseason MVP. Did you have any, let me just ask you this, did you have any Sammy, did it take you more than a second? Did you do a deep dive? Did you just go with your gut? How'd you do it? I just got, I deep dove it. I thought, I thought about getting cute and saying Willie, Yeah, but I didn't, I just said Marner. Yeah, Cause it's I Marner. thought, I try. okay, can I say I did the same thing where I went and tried to get cute. And I, I, I will say this. I think that Matthews' year is very, like, he's not scoring goals, but he is a goal scorer. So, I'm sorry, he has to be penalized for that. Selkie stuff aside, he hasn't been the Matthews we saw last year. So, when I was looking through all this stuff, his, his five-on-five numbers really pop. Like, there's actually an analytical case that Matthews is the best guy. And there's even a case for him being the MVP because... He's so good. He allows Marner to go down, whatever, blah, 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 blah. It's, mm-hmm. it's Marner. Mm-hmm. And here, here were the main reasons for me. One is he's leading the team now in points, which should matter. 
But why are his even strength numbers not as good as Matthews, or why doesn't he have as many counting stats? Well, it's because he plays two and a half minutes of shorthanded time every single game. Like, that's his average. If you look at that, you got to go to the 26th player in scoring at Mika Zibinijad to find the next person in the NHL that plays over two minutes of shorthanded time a game. Like, it's just not a thing that really happens. It's him, and then Konechny is 31st. Again, two minutes, 10, not as many as Marner. Adam Fox, a defenseman, 218, not as many as Marner. Heischer, 45 in scoring, 226. Like, the top 50 players in the NHL in scoring, Marner is the number one guy in average minutes per for a game in penalty killing. And, and that's the thing to me is he has clearly been the engine for this team for so long. He does it all for this team, defensive, offensive, whatever. He's scoring more. His shooting percentage is actually way up this year, which some people could equate to, like, he's never going to have a, whatever. He's never going to have the Matthew shot. But I do think his shot has improved. And I think that some of the shooting numbers are probably, like, would regress. But I also think that some of it is, like, he made a real focus to, to try to ensure that he was going to be more of a goal scorer this year. And, like, ultimately, he was really criticized as well at the beginning of the season. I think he took a lot of the ownership on his shoulders. He's matured a little bit in the media. He's done a better job, I think, of compartmentalizing. Yes, will he be judged in the playoffs? Absolutely. But midseason-wise, he's the guy who's done the most. He's the guy who's played up to standard the entire time. And I would say, too, like, as much as we do love the Nylander stats, like, Nylander, Bunting, and Matthews is obviously a better line than Tavares and Yarncroc slash... Uh, like fill in the blanks who they've had there throughout the the rest of the cycling through the regular season. He's he's done more with less in more situations. So yeah, it's it's just it's Mitch Marner. And I I tried to get cute and I tried to find some fancy stats mm. and I was gonna make this whole case for why Matthews wasn't that. And then I just went no, you know what? It's it's pretty plain and clear. Just like don't get cute. It's Mitch Marner. Agree. Yeah. Everything said. Agree. Cool. Plays every situation. Yeah. Dominates every every aspect of the game. He's their best guy. Yeah. Claire, he's the MVP. Yeah, he is. There he's go. been their MVP. Yeah. Nothing else to add. What's uh, the most confusing piece of the season so far for you? Why Matthews doesn't score. Yeah. <laughs> he's still on pace for 40 goals. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, he's a 60-goal pace yeah, guy no, every year. I know. It just it is. Yeah, the standard's and, higher for the best goal. Like, oh, like, we're talking about how elite he is defensively yeah. and all that, like, which is true, but he's been that for most of his career. Like, it's not like it's the defensive side of the puck is new. Yeah, we've been doing this for two seasons now. Yeah, it's just, to me, it's like, why isn't he filling the net? Why doesn't he have the games where he dominates offensively yeah. like he did in other years? So I have a my partial theory to this is, mm-hmm. do you remember last year when people were like, why doesn't Matthews draw more penalties? Mm-hmm. And my answer was because they give them all to bunting. Mm-hmm. Like, bunting is soaking up all of the penalties. Part of having Nylander on your line for more time and this is just a theory, is that he's going to soak up more of the goal scoring than a guy like Mitch Marner did. There's going to be more spread the wealth, and especially since, like, Bunting has been scoring more. Like, Less if you defined look, scoring rules, like, on the line that he played with Marner, it was just he's him. the shooter. Yeah, it's just, hey, everything yeah. is for Matthews. That's, Plus, that's he was tracing 60. Yeah, he's always just been sort of chasing those numbers. Mm-hmm. And, I, like, to me, it's kind of understandable why the goal scoring numbers have dropped off between some of the shooting percentages and, yeah, uh, who he's had to play with. Nylander becoming more of a focal point where it's like a two-man. Well, all three guys shoot it on that line. But to me, the more confusing thing with Matthews is just like, yeah, why? what is up with the eye test part of this? Because I look at the numbers, and again, across the board, five on five, it's pretty Probably clear he, he's their best guy. Yeah, He's, the, he's their best guy. 
the numbers, the nerd numbers to me, anyway, my dumb brain that I, the way that I'm able to interpret these mm-hmm. things across the board, he seems to be the Leafs best player. And you kind of look at it and go, boy, I feel sort of like a bozo not giving him enough credit. Yeah. Um, but no, they're just, the eye test thing is there have been way too many nights where you go, where is he? What's he, what's he up to? What's he doing back there? Yeah. What's, what's going on? <laughs> what's yeah. happening? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's focused more defensively. Like, yeah. It's usually the number one excuse you give for guys who aren't producing. Like, like we're kind of, everyone jumped all, all over JT Miller when he said, I'm not cheating the game. I'm playing defensively. That's why my stats are down. And everyone went, this guy, what, actually a, Matthews. what a jerk. No, but I'm saying, and then Leaf fans in the same breath go, Matthews is actually not cheating the game. Yeah. <laughs> it's just funny that they, they bent that one. Anyway, uh, my most confusing piece of the season so far is I still don't know what the hell this team should add. Every night, it's, I feel different about it. I'm like, they should add a third-line center. Then I'm like, they should add a second-line winger. Then I go, they need to add some toughness and some minutes on the blue line. Uh, Why not? Maybe they, a goaltender. three. Yeah, I, <laughs> that would be great. That, you know my perfect deadline is trade Engvall, bring in Taves, find a way to get Timo Meyer and Eric Carlson. So, yeah. Uh, no problem. Yeah. That seems fine. With, the, with our, uh, you know, with you have the luxury tax, it's perfect. No problem. <sighs> Done deal. Yeah. I keep getting hammered by these weirdos that keep getting mad at me about how I call some of the hockey markets irrelevant. When yeah, people don't like that, yeah, I don't, I don't know why. I, I don't, I want to know who these people are that are so staunch. The duck stands, yeah, that yeah. are from here and that are like, you should respect the Ducks more. <laughs> they showed up to the worst team in the league. They, they, they refuse to win in regulation. They just like physically cannot do it. Uh. There's never, I, dude, this year, this season has been strange. I can't remember a year and maybe this is just recency bias and I'm focused on it more and the Leafs are good, where there have just been so many teams that come in and you watch them and you go, this group sucks. Yeah. This is a horrible watch. They're not even like remotely competitive. This is a terrible team. Mm-hmm. And the Ducks to stand out amongst that crowd are by far the worst I've seen. Yes. It, it just, it's a, uh, and that's why I keep thinking it's so funny when everyone goes, it'd be so great if Bedard could go join Zegris and the young crew down there. I'm like the young crew that sucks and no has thanks. no heart. No, thank you. Yeah. In the irrelevant flip-flop market. Yeah. I won't apologize. See Bedard last night, by the way. Yeah. Pretty good. He's, hey, you know what? Six points. You know what I've been saying? Two shorties, 13 shots on goal. Yeah, two shorthanded goals, yeah. You know what I've been saying about Bedard? You're really good. Yeah. Yeah. You should tank for him. The thing I've heard about him. (laughs) Yeah. If you're a Flyers fan or a Canucks fan, the the generational talent that's from, you know, your neck of the woods, Mm -hmm. as you guys keep finding ways to scrap and claw. Don't do that. Stop doing that. Oh, my God. Stop winning. (laughs) Oh, my God. Right now. Could you imagine if this is what the Leafs are doing and what the Canucks and Flyers are doing during the McDavid and Matthew seasons? No, thank they you. just decided, you know what? It's about getting a couple of extra wins around. Wait till, <laughs> by, the way, by the way, Raptors fans, let that be a lesson to you. Wait till you guys see Scoot and wait till you see Wembenyama next year in the NBA. And you were like, we beat the Trailblazers on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, we did it. <laughs> this is what the team is supposed to look like, baby. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Just like I said, wait till you see that seven foot three freakish Frenchman dropping threes yeah. immediately in his career and go, huh? <laughs> or Scoot, who's like all muscle. It's like Derrick Rose. Hey, what would Derrick Rose be if he was even more jacked and faster? And you're like, oh, and passed. <laughs> like that would, do you get to find out next year on a different team? Because the Raptors are like, yeah, let's beat the Hornets. Let's beat the Hornets. Let's be the sixth worst team. Um, dumbest take that you had all year. Ugh, so many. I know. But this is the humility part. I have tried to think. I don't know. Like, I don't know. This I don't know. Right like, I, I had so many <laughs> stupid ones. Okay. Maybe last night's hit. No, Carter Tibbet shoots well. Why are you so hard on yourself um, about that? What about, uh, what about saying that? Mine's Malgan. 
Yeah, I, guess. I really got horned up from Algon. I went like, "Oh, this guy, maybe he's a thing." And then, yeah, then he got no points. And maybe, maybe a collective kit from Boratex, so we should move uh, Tavares to the wing for yeah. Pontus Holmberg. I guess all of us agree. And then you guys <laughs> didn't just make that take, but you decided let's put the video out on social media <laughs> and, so it's here forever. And offer sheet, a lot of Holmberg ones. Yeah, you guys, dude, you guys, and now you're doing push for Pontus. That's <laughs> I, I'm genuinely like. I'm I'm getting suspicious of you guys with this. I, I'm starting to think Kipper, like his agent, called him and said, "We'll give you three percent of his next deal, or I'll give you one percent of my cut." Yeah, if you just keep every day on one of the biggest hockey podcasts on the planet. Yeah, maybe keep saying he's he's really good. He's unbelievable. He is kind of unbelievable. Offer sheet. Move Tavares to the wing. Maybe me saying it like Zach Aston Reese early in the year. Maybe that's one of my bad takes. I, you're, Zach hey, Aston Reese thing is what, fine. He's, what would a parlay last night? Did you see yeah, this on Bleach yeah. Talk? A oh, parlay gosh. of Nick Delorier, yeah. uh, Timothy Lilligren, Zach Aston Reese, and Connor Timmins all scoring a goal in the same game. Lilligren shorthanded. Shorty, like, yeah. He yeah. Just, like, did it. Dude, did you see that one guy had projected the Dolphins jet score 6-9? And mm. lost it on that last stupid safety play. Had a lot of buddies who lost plus three and a half jets on No, that but yeah, uh, luckily Cowards Parlay knew better to tease, tease that up. up. Baby. <laughs> tease that up. Um, but t- the 6 9, to predict the correct score. That hurts. Do you have it, Joe? Really bad. What was this? I, I'm going to pull it up right now. Yeah, because I was going to say it was like a. I think it was like a hundred dollar bet. That it would... was seven dollars was the wager. Okay, yeah, for two thousand three hundred and eighty-seven dollars, and he lost it on the safety. Sickening. Yeah, sickening. Thirty-four thousand were the man, odds. That man yeah. didn't sleep. <laughs> no, he never will. No, he only lost seven dollars. That's such a Vic Palladian but... bet. <laughs> seven dollars on a correct score. That's our boy Vic. Just like that is his bets to a T. And then he'll text me, and be like, "Bro, can you believe that I lost this?" Fo- Yes. 34 to 1 bet. And I'm like, yeah, Vicky, I can believe it. And the only bet field goals. No, That's the entire no, thing. It's amazing. It's a great bet. <laughs> Anyways, uh, that was great. Oh, yeah. Quick rapid fire. Greats. Keith Dubas, you already said Keith is your underrated story. So I'm guessing you're giving him an A. Yeah. Dubas? Uh, I'd say B. Plus. Yeah. Young Crocs, sneaky good value now. Well, four scoring. years of Young Crocs. Yeah, but I mean, they're getting good value from all these guys. Yeah, grabbing Timmons for nothing. Yeah. This is the thing, though. Geo like for nothing. You grab thing for nothing. depth players and you put them around a good team. Yeah. Things are going to work out. Yeah, I think that Dubas right now gets B-plus for mm-hmm. me. Like, yeah, the deadline. Yeah. yeah, the deadline's going to be big for him. Yeah. Huge for that. All right, let's take a quick break. Let's come back. Let's talk to Greg Jennings about what happened this weekend. Thanks, Sammy. How about my Lions? Oh! Thank you, Lions. I got to tell you, so yesterday I'm I'm in nightmare land. The Seahawks, I'll admit it, that rough in the past that Jalen Ramsey got was pretty sus. He's standing on the side. Yeah, he lowers the shoulder a little bit in Geno. And then DK comes over and puts the finger in his face mask, which I love. I love that move, especially from DK because he's such a beast. He's so big. It's like, what are you going to do? I love it. But Seattle kicks that field goal. They miss it. And, and I went in a full, hey, Seahawks just make the playoffs mode. Once they, once they won last week to the Jets, there was no other choice. I, I'll admit it. I was rooting for them to lose to the Jets and just go, hey, draft pick. The season's kind of stuck. They, they need more help on offense and defense than people realize. Whatever. I was in full win mode. They clank it. And I'm like, of course. Of course this is what's going to happen. They find a way, they win, and they win in overtime. It's great. And then I'm just sitting there kind of sour going, man, if you're Lions, if you're one of those players and you're in that locker room, 
and you're watching that, right? Them clank it. Mm-hmm. The celebration in there must have been insane. And then for you to lose it, you know when you think you, you get hope, right? It's the yeah. it's the Shawshank thing. Hope is a dangerous thing. Hope will drive a man insane. I thought all those lines players were gonna be broken. Yep. Spirit in tatters. Yep. And instead they come out and they play with guts, they play with heart, they do the right thing. They don't just tank, they don't say, Hey, we want the draft pick. They come out there and they play Detroit Lions football <laughs> and they beat the Packers. They chase Aaron Rodgers likely out of town. Mm-hmm. That whole era feels done. Yep. Nothing sweeter than seeing the Packers lose, by the way, Seahawks get in Packers lose. What a sweet combination. Anyway, Seahawks are in and now they're in the perfect spot where it's like, I have nothing to lose. They beat that Niners team. It's the most embarrassing thing in 49ers history yeah. because the Seahawks think, and they should win. I don't want to hear about Brock Purdy. They were amazing. They should win. They should dominate Seattle. Yep. And if Seattle loses, it's like, whatever, that's what we were yep. supposed to be. We were projected to be the third worst team in the, of the season this year. Anyway, uh, Greg Jennings, pro former pro bowl receiver, super bowl champion. Um, he joins me now. What's up, man? How about those lines? Oh, what's happening? They roared last night, that's for sure. You've never seen a Lions team, like every Lions team you played, not even a fraction of the heart of that team. Yeah, I'm going to be honest, man. The Lions this year, they they won over a lot of fans. I think, again, we spoke about it earlier. Mm -hmm. The hard knocks kind of played a role into Mm -hmm. it, but Dan Campbell and just his transparency and just his ability to just galvanize guys and bring them together, man. That It was impressive to see them go out there and play the way they did and put up that type of performance. Yeah, and I'll admit it as a Seahawks fan, just like Dolphins fans should admit, we shouldn't be in there. The It should be for the most compelling playoffs. The Steelers should be in and the Lions should be in. And yeah, yeah like that that's the case. I, I admit it. All right, Dolphins fans, your loser team that sucks and everyone is the most unwatchable product in the NFL right now. I, Seattle's kind of there with you, so I'm owning the brother in arms. But do you? What do you take into that? Like the them showing up, them winning that game, them beating Green Bay. Can you have momentum from a season to the next? Like, what does this actually mean for the Lions? It means a lot because I, I was talking to someone about this last week. Um, I'm from Michigan, you know this, and yep. grew up a Lions fan. And so going into that game. You know, there's a feeling, uh, if you're a Lions fan, of, okay, same old Lions are going to do yeah. something to blow it. And you saw opportunities in that game where it was like, okay, uh, that, that that's the one. That did it. That did it. But they never quit. There was, there was always a resolve. There was always a get back up and start fighting again. Um, and I felt like if they would have – it didn't matter what they did as far as how well they performed yesterday – had they lost, it would have still been, well, the Lions find a way to lose. Same old Lions. Uh, but they come out and they win, and it's like this team is truly different. This team is turning the corner, and I believe they've turned the corner. Uh, they, they, they no longer are the, the bottom seeders, feeders in the NFC North, or in the NFC for that matter. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I'm going to believe in them next year. I, I think that them hitting on Aiden Hutchinson being a guy who actually wants to be there. Um, someone who, yeah, is from Michigan and is as good as he is and as unique as he is, is, is just massive for them. I hope that Jamal Williams can roll into next year and still be a, a meaningful part of this team because running backs fall off so quickly that, yeah, it's just, it's a little scary because he's such an identity player for them. The, the big question for me is what do you do about Jared Goff? Because the team was yeah. really good at the end 
but they've got some high draft picks. It's a good quarterback draft. What do you do at the quarterback position if you're the Detroit Lions? So this one is tough. This yeah. one is tough because if, if I'm the Detroit Lions, uh, you, you, you've obviously – you don't think that Jared Goff is your long-term answer, but he definitely is the. It has been an answer. He's given you some stability at the quarterback position. He's played well enough to where you have to make a real tough decision um, with the with the caliber quarterbacks that are in this draft that you will have available <laughs> when you're picking. I, I, I do not envy those in that draft room that has to make that decision. Um, but if I'm in there, I, I go with the draft pick. I go get me a quarterback. He doesn't even have to start this year. I, I go get a guy, and I'm, I allow Jared Goff to continue to play mm-hmm. and be a tutor. I think he would he would understand that situation. But I don't know if you can just let Jared Goff go. No. This is the thing, man, is I, there are times where he looks awesome. And if we're talking about like rolling momentum from one season into the next, if you're a Lions, if you're a Lions player, I would imagine you don't want them to draft a quarterback. You especially don't want to use a high draft pick on a quarterback, right? You're thinking, hey, we're kind of close. Maybe we just draft a, another defensive back. Maybe we draft another linebacker. Maybe we go and, you know, get some luxury positions. But yeah, they just, they have the number six, I think. No, maybe that's not that high, uh, whatever the Rams pick is. And then they have their own that's going to be at 18. They've got, uh, four, like, they've got a lot of good picks. And you just look at them and say, man, if you're a Lions fan, you're thinking about the long term, don't screw up and don't be one of those teams that overreacts and keeps the quarterback. But if you are trying to encapsulate this thing into one year, it does feel like, yeah, the better move would be to spam talent all the way around your roster that already feels good and, try to invest in Jared Goff. It's, it's a tricky one. Like it, it's honestly the, it's the obvious question of the off season for them. Um, is Aaron Rodgers done in green Bay? Is that the last time we saw him? <laughs> That's an, this is another one. I mean, we're going to find out really, really soon. I, I, I would err on the side of saying no. Mm. Um, there's a strong possibility that we we don't see Aaron Rodgers in the Green Bay Packer uniform any longer. The the, the the decision not to go with Jordan Love kind of can be read a couple ways early in the season, where it's like, okay, we we didn't even display who he is, what he is for us, or what he could be for someone else. We know what Aaron Rodgers is, and we know what he's not any longer, and so I think you can move off of that. If somebody is in, in willing to entertain mm-hmm. a trade and take on that number, that's their issue. That's why I don't know if they'll be able to move off of Aaron Rodgers. Maybe I, I keep thinking, I, I kind of feel like Tom Brady is going to go to the Raiders. Um, but yeah, Rodgers going to either the Niners, potentially if the Derek Purdy thing falls off in the playoffs or uh, I keep thinking the Jets would be an awesome landing spot for him. Like, there's just a couple of places where I think, oh, I could see Rodgers. I could see a team trading for them that wants to take that step. He just does the Favre thing. But, yeah, so you didn't read too much into the whole, I'm going to keep this one, the jersey thing? Didn't want to give it to Jameson Williams? I, You know, I didn't. I feel like with the response that Jameson Williams had, yeah. he was expecting to get it, and Aaron Rodgers obviously clearly was expecting to win the game yeah. in that he was going to play another game, play and have another game played as a Packer for sure. Mm-hmm. And so it would have been no deal. Oh, yep. I can give you this Jersey. No problem. Uh, with that not being the case, 
<laughs> it's like you lose. It was no Tom Brady ending on this one where he signs the interception football. <laughs> yeah. Losing. Like, nah, nah, I, no, you, I'm getting caught on to this one. Well, yeah, his season. Okay, this is, I, I, like, I, I'm not there. You tell me. But, hey, there was two things. One is that Aaron Rodgers is obviously, like, hardcore competitive guy who's near the end of his career. He's had a tough season. A, a Lions player walking up to him right after he's been eliminated from the playoffs. And, like, I, this is no shade to Jamison Williams, but yeah, you're Jamison Williams who played like four NFL games. You're asking for Aaron Rodgers' jersey at the end of the year. I kind of felt like, yeah, if that's somebody else, maybe like if that's his former teammate, right? If that's Jamal Williams, maybe he says yes. Like, what is the code there with who you kind of have to be on the roster to ask for Aaron Rodgers' jersey? Yeah, I, I, it, it seemed like <laughs> there, a stretch. There's, there's an, it's an unspoken code, right? Yeah. Like, Jamison Williams, obviously first round draft pick, hadn't played all year, but yeah. a couple games. Um, and it, it had he been had he been available all year, and he's been having a stellar year as a rookie, I believe there would have been you would he would entertain that. Yeah. But with without that, you got to come up to Aaron with another teammate. Meaning you got to take Jamal with you. Yeah. And say, hey, <laughs> yeah. hey man, hey, let, let me get that jersey. Let use Jamal just yeah. like Fred Warner was used in that moment yeah. of the interception. Yeah. <laughs> like with Greenlaw with Brady. Yeah. I just I thought that was the little bit of lost piece of that that no one really wanted to discuss. But I'm like, hey, no offense to Jameson Williams, but Aaron Rodgers probably looking at him going, sorry, I don't, I don't know who you are. Like, why would I give you? <laughs> are, like, who are you? I, I like I I haven't seen you on film. We didn't play against you last time, and now you're coming up to me at the end of the game asking for a jersey. I just felt like it was a bit of a overstep by Jameson Williams. That's all. It was just from my standpoint, I was like, yeah, of course he's not going to give it to you. What are you talking about? Uh, anyway, um, let's keep it moving. Let's keep it rolling. Um, the Bills, the two returns by Hines. They were just, yeah, incredibly special. Um, they were just, yeah, I think emotional moments for a lot of people. Everyone was kind of rooting on the Bills. But outside of the the special win, do you feel like the Bills are the dominant team that we remember? Like, are you as confident as them heading into the playoffs as I know you and I once were at different points of the season? Yeah, so um, I, I'm not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got to be honest. I'm not as, a, as confident uh, confident in them as I was early in the season. Um, the Bengals have, have kind of won over my confidence as mm-hmm. a team that I feel like they're the team to beat. Agreed. Um, but when, when I look at the Bills and this, what, what they were able to put on display yesterday, um, a couple of things that have to come to mind for me. Sean McDermott is dealing with a, a roster of guys that he doesn't know how they're going to respond after what they experienced on last Monday. So I got to get my guys back out there and just see what I got, see what I got going into the postseason, see where they're, where they are mentally, where they are physically and for them to respond that way. And yes, kick off return right out the gate mm-hmm. blow. If there was a roof on the stadium off, they blew that off. And then for them to continue to fight back, punch back. Cause the Patriots played a really good game. Mac Jones played a really good game. Uh, and they, they came back with some counters. And so to see your team battle after dealing with all of that emotion uh, of what transpired with DeMar Hamlin and what is still going on with DeMar Hamlin, like to see that, I I can't put a whole lot into that game other than Mm -hmm. the fact that this team sold so much resolve to find a way to dig deep and win. With all that aside, though, they, they look different than what we saw 
with a healthy Von Miller with them in the first half of the season where it was like they got the ball and it's going into the end zone, period. There's nothing you can do about it. They don't look like that team any longer. Mm-hmm. To me, it just feels like they, they're going to win one way, and that's a shootout. And, and that's yeah. why the neutral site thing kind of works for them because, yeah, weirdly, all, all I could think of with that game is, hey, those special teams TDs were incredible. They were special moments. New England, I believe, was 29th in the NFL in DVOA on special teams this year, which is weird because you think Bill Belichick, he's obsessed with special teams, that that would be a concrete unit for them, but they were not. They were one of the worst special teams units in the NFL this season. And I, I just like the Bills, they get that fumble, right? I think it was Singletary that fumbles the ball, and I go, these guys are just not really built to win that cold weather, low scoring. You need to be able to pick up the third down with a run play. You know, just... They're not that tough up front. Josh Allen is all of their toughness on offense, and it just still feels like so much on his shoulders that I don't know. I just I still have my reservations about it. I, I don't know if there's like multiple ways they're going to win. And I hope I eat crow because I am going to be rooting for the Bills come playoff time. But yeah, they just the, the defense, the run game. There's just you know how Diggs hasn't looked as dominant the second half of the season. There's just there's enough things there where yeah, I do put them a tier below where I see the Chiefs right now and certainly where I see the Bengals. Well, I will say this. The reason why I feel like it happens for guys like Diggs or, and not looking as dominant, mm-hmm. like there's a dramatic drop-off when it comes to typically performance when you, when you have great weather and then it turns completely cold. Like there's, it's just different. It's just different. I remember guys telling me that all the time. I would get off to a hot start in first first half of the season and towards the latter end of the season. It's like numbers didn't look like they were in the first. Well, duh. It was yep. 75 and warmer out here versus now it's barely touching zero. Like it's different. It's just a completely different game that you're playing um, to your advantage, but also to your disadvantage. And and I believe for them, the best thing, the best possible scenario for them could have been neutral site. That yeah. that just makes sense. Yeah. Or yeah. have Kansas City or or home home field where Kansas City has to come to them, or the Bengals have to come to them. Yeah. No, uh, I think it's gonna be all right for them playing in Indy if that is the the place. I think that is still the place. Plus, they get the Dolphins. Like, that's a nice little ease back in game, especially given what we've seen from Miami these last few weeks. I I think they're unwatchable. I think they screwed fans over. Um, I don't even think it's worth talking about the Dolphins because there's really nothing much to say about them. Like, um, they're dreadful. But I'm... I think the number one question there is what do you do if Tua gets cleared? You got to play him, but if he wants to play and he gets cleared, you got to play him. That's just me. I, I don't know. Like if he's cleared, if like, I'm not I'm his personal the, doctor. I'm on the opposite end of that. I'm yeah. like, you, you can't play him. You can't play him. You just can't because if he gets another concussion to look. Yeah. Yeah. If he, you can't play him. I guess not this year, listen, I'm not against it. Like, I'm not like, Hey, you got to tough it out and play to a, I just, again, if he ends up getting cleared by a doctor and that, like, I just don't know what the rule is there. I don't know what else you're supposed to say. If you're him, he wants to play. You're trying to win a playoff game. He's cleared by a medical staff. Like if he's already shut down, then shut him down the last time. You know what I mean? Take the decision completely out of his hands. I I guess where where I would land with this is I don't like where they're at with it, period. You know, they should have just shut him down. 
They should have taken the decision mm-hmm. out of his hands and said, hey, this is over. We're not playing you again this year. And now that it's in limbo and the teammates have to wonder, just, boy, if, yeah, Skylar Thompson, I don't, Thompson, Thomas, I keep forgetting, <laughs> whatever. Uh, yeah, uh, that, guess what? That's the game of the week where if you're not a Bills fan, and I would say even if you're a Dolphins fan, you can basically just not watch. <laughs> you can do whatever. <laughs> That's Aaron's time. That's take a break. It's a lot of football these weekends. Just, you know, go take a walk, do whatever. There's absolutely no reason to watch that game. But they do kind of, they keep out a sort of growing, compelling Steelers team. And Steelers fans feel kind of like torn about this where, like I've heard some fans say, hey, we're just mediocre and there's this acceptance of mediocrity that's been going on with this organization lately of just get over 500. But what do you think about Pickett and Pickens and the future of the Steelers? I'm excited to see what the future looks like with those two guys growing together, learning together, gaining experience together. Um, I like Pickett. I like Pickett from jump. I think, again, as a, as a rookie, when you get thrown in, yeah. uh, you're gonna have you're gonna have some highs. You're gonna have some lows, and the lows are gonna look really bad at times. But you have to keep your eye on the prize and understand that this is a journey. You got to walk it all the way out. And I think because of the success we've seen with some of the guys like Justin Herbert and even Joe Burrow, so soon the mm-hmm. expectation is like, oh, you got to get it right now because those guys are doing it right now. And that's just generally not how it works, but you know, that's, that's what we want in today's world and society. Like I want it now. Mm -hmm. Can you provide it? If you can't, I'm moving on. Yeah. Um, I wanted them to start him at the beginning of the season um, because he was playing the best in training camp. And if people recall, the offensive line was really bad and people were worried about it. And I think that's Mm -hmm. fair, right? Everyone always points to the David Carr situation, like different quarterbacks who've gotten hurt, Andrew Luck. But yeah, you do mention Joe Burrow, and he got thrown behind a horrific offensive line, and he turns out to be fine. And my theory has always been, if if you're going to break from quarterback pressure early on in your career, then you were probably going to break at some point anyway. You know, like you you weren't going to be the guy. And so I think that they at least have somebody who shows something. And yeah, Pickens just looks like a freak. And he it's crazy because he only had like three catches in that game. I think he finished with three catches, but every one of them was massive. And I go, yeah, you just, this feels like the real deal. And yeah, Deontay Johnson, if you could just catch some footballs every once in a while, like one contested yeah, ball, one, yeah, like, like hey, catch like, one contested ball. Yeah. Like one time where it's not just in the bread basket and you're sitting down into it. That would be good for the Steelers future. Okay. Does it matter to you that um, the Jags had to be bailed out by Josh Dobbs on that Josh Allen fumble and that Trevor Lawrence was pretty bad in such a big game? It doesn't. It okay. doesn't. Uh, I, I, again, that, that's the biggest game that he has played in his career. Uh, and so you, you expected to have, we all hoped like, oh, Trevor Lawrence is going to be big. Mm-hmm. But you clearly saw that he was, he was sh- a little shaken. He was. He was a little shook in that game. Some of the throws, how, how off target he was at times. But you build off that now. And so any way you can possibly get in, he just got experience free exposure to as a, what a playoff atmosphere is going to be like, mm-hmm. because that was a playoff atmosphere. Now you go in against a chargers team who you, you don't know what you're going to get with the chargers. Let's just from a roster standpoint, no because all you, their guys got hurt. They played in a meaningless yeah, game. So good job by Brandon Staley exactly, on that one. Exactly. Like, what are you doing? Did you so hear what he said? I just, I did not. He said, he was like, we had to, he's like, we only have so many players to play. We have to play some guys. And I'm like, uh, 
the Giants, like all the other teams didn't play their starters that were locked in. You were locked into a five seed. Like, why'd you play Herbert? My, like Mike Williams is one of my favorite receivers when he's healthy, right? But he's yep. never healthy. Like his catch radius is yep. insane. He makes the hardest catches in the NFL consistently, in my opinion. Like he's the guy where... You know, you need one jump ball for your life in the NFL, healthy player. It's the guy, but he's always hurt. And they put him in that game and he gets hurt. And Bosa, another guy where people go, hey, he's really good when he's healthy. He's an injury prone guy. They play him and he's always hurt. Like, I, I, I genuinely think if they lose this game next week, they have to fire Brandon Staley because of this. Like, they have to do it. Yeah, I, I didn't understand the logic of playing their guys. Uh, the moment I saw. Mike Williams get hurt. I'm, you you got to be kidding me! Like yeah. why you know the history and the but the but on the flip side the importance of of what you what he provides when he's on the field for you and your mm-hmm. quarterback you can't take that chance and Bosa like as a defense the defensive guy you're just coming back you just wait the week. Yeah, I I so, I, I, I can't believe that they did it. And it's, it's weird because I know the chargers have their way of doing things. And that was kind of working for them for a little while where it wasn't working. And Keenan Allen had the tweet. You and I talked about it. And there seemed like real dysfunction in the organization over like their situational football and the analytics stuff. And then it started working and Herbert looked like Herbert and everyone went, Hey, we were too harsh to Staley. Then he does this. And I'm like, boy, oh boy, oh boy. Like, this is just, this was not it. And now I like my feeling is, is that they threw off their momentum of the season with this stuff. And it's a very strange game. Like it's a total coin toss game between them and the Jags. But if they lose and I'm a Chargers fan and Sean Payton sitting out there, I sure would be thinking about it. Like I sure would be hoping that that would happen. And then this is a take I actually want to give you. So the Titans are, they suck. They're done. They don't have anything in our, you know, one of our producers is a There's huge a Titans fan. JD. And he's, he's crushed. He thinks that Dobbs was still holding on to the football. I'm like, you're out of your mind. You know, he can't watch a game with any rational eye. But if I was the Titans, I would actually, like, open it up to league and go, hey, what would you give us for Vrabel? Because they're not going to get good mm-hmm. soon. So, like, should they shop Vrabel? Like, where do you put him amongst the game's best coaches? Uh, well, he's been able to do a lot with uh, minimal. Like, I mean, let's be honest. Like, the Titans haven't had a tremendous amount of talent defensively we know what they're going to be uh, offensively it's mm-hmm. like okay Derrick Henry or not Derrick Henry or bus yeah and guess what like, Derrick Henry is kind of done yeah like you can't continue to to rely on uh Derrick Henry to just average 300 plus carries a season so I I, I don't I, I wouldn't I I'm not shopping Brable mm-hmm. like you it's hard enough to find quarterbacks let alone coaches like, <laughs> I can't stop breaking. Yeah, you're probably right. He's such a culture setter. It feels like he could just be there for a long-ass time, and he could end up... Like, it, it's not out of the realm of possibility for me that one day we're going, Mike Vrabel is the longest-tenured coach in the NFL, right? Like, with the Titans? Yeah. He's, and yeah, like, he, he, like he's, he's that good. And it's very clear mm-hmm. that he's that good. Um, I just... I don't see any path for the Titans to be relevant here outside of, like... And I think that he's too good of a coach where they'll bottom out. You know, like they're just going to be one of those teams that's kind of stuck sort of a little bit like Seattle is, I think, uh, in terms of not being able to be bad enough to get up to the top. Thank God they got the Broncos pick, but whatever. Um, Who's the I want to do the Texans thing with you, but I'm going to close on that. But since we're talking about coaches, is there a coach in the should they, shouldn't they um, realm of letting them go and moving off of them? that you want to see go or like you can conversely, you can make this positive or that team should absolutely not fire. 
Um, if I'm if I'm thinking about it, I, I would Cliff Kingsbury is a guy that's it's, it's a tough situation. Um, just because you know you're not going to have Kyler, you extended him in the off season. Like, what what are you going to do? Do you do you allow Cliff to to coach without Kyler and see what you look like? But mm-hmm. Kyler's your he's clearly your future. Um, and I, but he's just one of those. He's in an odd situation. Because it's like you, you marry those two guys and somebody has to go. Yeah. Either Kyler or either Cliff. You gotta make a decision because it's not working. It's clearly not working. Um and then for me, like if who else? Who else is out there you on know the who my guy is? Right well oh, I think Ron, Ron, I think Dennis Allen's yeah. gone. Yeah, Ron Rivera's gone, right? Those two guys are definitely gone. Okay. Yeah. I to I me, can, Salah, yeah. that's a question mark guy. Uh, I don't see. I just don't. I don't see how you. I, again, I, I understand the Jets. This is well, this was your two for Salah. It's it's like, really I, early. I yeah, I know. It's so early, like, and they turned it around. I, I don't see how you let Salah go, and your your issues, your greatest issues and woes, were on the offensive side of the ball. You gotta allow him the opportunity to address that. Like and get that right. You get the quarterback situation right. The Jets, I clearly believe we all would agree that's a playoff team. Yeah. I just you, you go to you go to the Lions and say, hey, let let's try to get let us try to get Jared Goff. Give us, <laughs> I don't know, like somebody. Somebody. They need somebody. And so yeah, listen, they'll probably end up giving him one more year. But in the totality of things with Salah, I think that there were some things that got papered over with Zach Wilson's bad season. And and we can all say Zach Wilson doesn't have it and he was dreadful and blah, blah, blah. I, I think they handled him as poorly as you could possibly handle a player, right? The up and down and sometimes he's on the practice squad and sometimes we're playing Joe Flacco instead of him because we're saying that he should be on the practice squad. Like it was very strange. And then there were a lot of games situationally where I thought Salah was bad. I watched a lot of Jets this year. Like I was very in on the Jets. It's not like this guy was helping the team from an offensive standpoint. And all of this is probably going to fall on, I think it's LaFleur's brother is their coordinator. or It's a, it's a LaFleur that's yeah. there. Um, mm-hmm. A lot's going to fall on his shoulders. They probably end up moving off of him. They go to a different coordinator. Fine. I just, there was, a, there was enough bad solo this year that at least got my antennas up to go, I, I don't know. I don't know if he was a part of the solution. And people will go, the defense was good. Well, the defense is extremely talented. They have this awesome defensive line, and they got Sauce Gardner, and it was kind of impossible to miss on those guys. I just, I wouldn't be heartbroken if I was a Jets fan if they they thought there was someone else that was better than him. Like, um, the coach that is definitely going to be available in a couple of, uh, maybe today, is Lovey Smith. Um, where does that rank amongst the weirdest things that you've ever seen in football? Like a Texans team that just punted away the first overall pick. Uh, because they were going for it on two at the end of the game, they convert a fourth and twenty something crazy. Like I, that, that's got to be the one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. I, I can't think of anything that is even comparable. Well, I mean, you got to think about it. So for me, watching that <laughs> ending, like you got two teams that aren't trying to win. Like the Colts aren't trying to win. The Colts were forcing and- fumbles on their own team. Yeah, like the Colts aren't trying to win. You're not trying to win. You don't expect to get the Hail Mary. But the last thing you want to do is take a two and mm. what, 14 team yeah. and a four and 12 or whatever team 
into overtime. So you go for two. <laughs> it's like, you know what? Let's just let's just go for two. Let's see. What, you're not really thinking you're going to get it. Like I, everything just went wrong at the at the worst time. <laughs> and, 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 and when you don't want to win, you find a way to win accidentally. And it just, it blew up. But I, I feel like the, the Houston Texans should be relegated. I mean, yeah, it's got, the it's firing so of Coley and, and now uh, Lovey Smith. I think Lovey Smith, even though this team wasn't, from a wins and loss perspective, they weren't good. They competed like you didn't feel like it was just a. We expected them to lose games, but it was it was hard fought for a lot of teams. That yeah, they, they hung played. around a lot. They did, now, and with the capital that they have, uh, with the picks that they have, mm. it, this is not a team that's going to be down in the dumps for a while. Like mm. I mean, I feel like with the right coach, obviously they've been circling the wagon with Josh McCown, so it looks like they'll finally get their guy. Yeah. But uh. we'll see. I, all all I know is that. If a team trades up in front of them and takes either Stroud um, or Young, and one of those two guys turns out to be the next guy, this is going to be one of the most famous games in football history. Like, it's going to be referenced where every single time Bryce Young plays well, we're going to have the graphic right on Monday Night Football, and they're going to throw something up here and be like, and you'll recall the Davis Mills game. And it's like, it will live in infamy forever and ever and ever. And I, and I tweeted this yesterday, but I truly believe it. I think that the Texans, if you just take out expectation, because always the worst seasons in sports are when you think your team is a championship winning team, and then they turn out to be dreadful. But just from a fan experience standpoint, like, you're a Texans fan these last couple of years. Like you go through all the Deshaun Watson stuff. And then this season you're in the preseason. You're going, well, maybe like Damon Pierce is going to be fun. And we got Stingley. And then both those guys get shut down to injuries. Stingley Jr. Has one interception. Pierce has like, I don't know, a couple of decent games. I, I don't know what the fun was. Like they had no fun all season long. And then you get to the end and then you blow the first overall pick. I just, it's, it's the season from hell. It's gotta be the worst season like if you were a fan of sports and you went hey we're gonna pay you money um but the the more money you get is the worst of the the caliber of the season like that would probably be at the very highest like you'd get paid a million dollars to watch that entire season start to finish again (laughs) yeah it was it was it was bad i i just i i don't like the firing of lovey smith um but again it's not shocking to me because it's the houston Texans. yeah Ugh, what a moribund franchise. They should be a fun franchise, too. Like, they should be in Texas. should be fun. should be cool. And it's like, no, it's the opposite. Nothing good about it. Uh, Greg Jennings, yeah. I'm glad you're back. Um, it's been too long. So many, like, breaks in the schedule here. But, yeah, now we're here. It's, it's playoff time. So, yeah, every Monday uh, we'll be breaking it down. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Absolutely. Have a good one. And happy New Year, too. Ha- happy New Year, buddy. Uh, I, I, I thought that that had passed. I never know what to do with it. I know that's like such I, a. I, I only I only says because we we haven't spoken. I know, which, I know. Yeah. Uh, it's just like you. What what are you supposed to do with it? You know, like when do you decide it's over? So it is like you don't talk to somebody. So like if I hadn't spoken to Greg in like two months, I see him and he's like I feel like a jerk now. He said he's like Happy New Year by the way. I'm like Oh, so, sorry, sorry, Greg. That's my mistake. My bad. <laughs> Anyway, I, I say that the first week after New Year's is the time. Yeah, I, I think it's seven days. Yeah, like the first week. Now we're in, this is just... Like, it's January 9. I think I now saying Happy New Year to someone, not that, not Greg. Obviously, I'm not <laughs> sewering the guests we just had on. But yeah, it's kind of a 
showboaty move later. And it's actually kind of rude because you remind people that all the nice holiday stuff is over. Now yeah. you're just, you know, now you're not holiday chubby. You're just chubby. It's like almost sarcastic. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Like you're, you're, yeah, you're not, there's you're just tired. You're, you're in it. You're in the thick of things. Like you're not, there's no refreshing time coming up around the corner unless you're like Ben Ennis, who's, you know, flying away to Mexico oh, right yeah. after the weekend. Mexico. After. Yeah, no. Everybody who's going to Mexico with me. I'm the only one who can't afford it at the station. I got to get it. Another can I? Yeah. Yeah. But you don't deserve any money. Okay, dude. Yeah. <laughs> All the work you, I do wow. here. You deserve nothing. Anyway, uh, it's time for action brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Uh, download the DraftKings app to get in the action. Must be 19 plus. Must be in Ontario. Please play responsibly. So, yeah, no Pete today. Uh, we got Simon. Um, I, you know what? I actually realized that I've been saying your last name wrong the whole time I've known you when I heard your voicemail the other day. Oh, really? Yeah. Douglas. I know. I've been saying dog because everybody calls you like, I know I get yeah. dog. I get dogless. That's cool. I know. That's fine. I would have figured as a fellow like Latvian. I know. Canadian, I, I know. I know. That, I, but that's okay. I know. Yeah. Two Latvians. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know. Stu. Yes. My dad was pumped when he heard that I was going on the radio with another Latvian. Absolutely. Guy. As he should be. Yeah. Yeah. This is exactly what's happening here. <laughs> and I, and I used to live in Lithuania. Yeah, I know. Oh, so no, let's full go. circle Baltic, moment. But yeah, you're not. States, no, but that's the thing. I know it's not Latvia, but. No, but that's the thing. It's like, you're on board time. I know, I know. It's <laughs> close. It's close. The second I meet another Latvian Canadian guy, you're Oh, I know. I'm cut. You I'm are cut. out of here. You get yeah, shot out of here in a rocket. Yeah, you're going to have to have guys going to be falsifying papers back here. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's going to go down. Anyway, uh, this is the time for action topic today, okay? I'm going to do these bets throughout the week, and we'll go through Saturday. There's only... That's a, this is a weird schedule. Like, do you guys notice that? Cause we're, I'm used to the wildcard game, like wildcard Saturday. And then mm-hmm. there's yeah. wildcard Sunday this year. It's one game on Saturday, three games on Sunday, one game on Monday, two games on Saturday, two games on Saturday. Yeah. Four and an eight, I think. So it's two, two three games on one. Saturday. Okay. Two, I two, only three, have in one. front of me the Chargers Jaguars game. Well, oh, your Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, Seahawks. I know. Like, I don't have a line for that anyway. Yeah, I forgot, actually, of course. <laughs> no, you know what sucks, though, too, is that Seahawks game is like early. They were like, this is the trash game. Exactly. Seahawks are the That's trash. The from like, ouch. Yeah. It was true. But how come the Dolphins aren't the trash game? They're the trash game on the Sunday, but the Saturday game is the trashier of the games. Yeah, I just don't have that line up in front of me. Do you guys have that line? Yeah, it's uh, Chargers minus one right now. No, that's I have the Chargers minus one. I don't have the Seahawks game. Oh no, Seahawks is uh, Niners minus ten. Niners minus ten. Niners minus ten. Can wow. I tell you something right now? No. No. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> no, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> I just say it. I just say it. Seahawks, Mark the Mark Foppo. It's a divisional game. In division, baby. Yeah, divisional, divisional game. game. Mark no, honest to God, though, they couldn't move the ball against that Rams team. The Niners are gonna have the Niners. The Niners gonna choke them. Yeah, Nick Bosa is gonna have a lot of sacks in that game. Here's my take. Watching Sunday, I was trying to think of like, hey, what did I learn from? That's the question. The question of the day today, Simon, is: Was there anything that happened over the weekend on Sunday that like really changed, or Saturday that changed your mind about how you're gonna bet? So here's my take. Too many playoff teams. Well, yeah. Just because, like, we could do without the Seahawks and we could do without the, the Dolphins. The yeah. fact that they're yeah, both but, coming in as double-digit dogs. But like, the night, or sorry, the if we had Lions and Steelers. I know, it would have been better. It would have been good. Still, so what would the number have been on those, you think? Still double-digit dogs? Um, or are the Dolphins and the Seahawks just, like, everybody's out on them? Steelers-Bills would not be 10 and a half. That's probably right. Yeah. I think that'd be, like, seven and a half, eight and a half. Steelers should be getting a couple more points than the Dolphins. Like, again, the Dolphins are probably going to play Skylar Thompson. Yeah. 
That's going to be an unwatchable game. No, like, as you said, that's yeah. going to be like... It's going to be like the Bills and the Patriots No, football starts at 440, unless yeah. you're a Bills or Dolphins fan on Sunday. Take the yeah. early afternoon Sunday. Get your errands done. Sleep in. Exactly. I'm just, yeah, I'm just yeah. telling you that Seattle and Pete Carroll has a very good record against Kyle Shanahan, and Kyle Shanahan is generally pretty overrated. And then I'm just... I'm not going to dismiss the possibility of Brock Purdy in his first meaningful game uh, not playing incredibly yeah. well. The Niners have had a nice schedule. I think the Niners will win, mm-hmm. but I'm telling you that there is something, there, there's enough things here that that's not as much of a write-off game to me. Those two teams have history. It just... Tens a lot, man. Tens a lot that's for a that game. Number. Anyway, yeah. it just... Keep your eyes out. And again, Niners fans, if you win, congrats. You beat the team that people thought were going to have the third worst record <laughs> in the NFL this year by Vegas odds. But if Seattle wins... Fold your franchise again. You're just playing with house money here, right? Eh? Full the house money. Fan? There's nothing. There's <laughs> nothing a Niners fan could say to me where I'd be like, oh, that makes me sad. Like, no, there's nothing. There's nothing. Anyway, um, the team for me is the Chargers. I, I think yeah. that... Yeah. You were on this last week too, the Chargers. No, I liked the Chargers and mm-hmm. I was fully in on they were the value team and for this reason, like you played the Jags and if you... Yep. Like you got to look at it through the lens of what's the smarter future bet to make based on who your opponents are going to be and what the odds are. Like, is it better just to bet week to week to week, right? Mm -hmm. I think that the Chargers, the way that they started guys and Mike Williams getting hurt and Joey Bosa getting hurt, maybe both guys play, maybe, okay? The Mike Williams one looked way more serious. The shot of him going to the tunnel was like guys helping carry him. Yeah. Um, I think that they they screwed up their mojo. And Mm. like they tried to win that game against Denver and then they lost to Denver so it was like you you had the worst of both worlds where you came out, you tried to make a statement of, hey, we're going to roll into the playoffs. And then the worst two things happened. You got hurt and you lost and Russell Wilson lit you up. Yeah. And, and I just think that maybe their confidence is a little shaken. So the Jags, I, I don't trust Jacksonville, especially given what we saw from Trevor Lawrence. I would be loving to bet against the Chargers if they were playing anybody else this weekend now. But yeah. They're the only team that like changed my opinion. Maybe a little bit the Cowboys. The Cowboys, yeah, because yeah. Did anybody change your guys' mind? Like Dolphins, completely unbettable. I'm gonna bet yeah, the Bills, no, especially no. with Skyler. I think I, I, I'm with you on the Jags a little bit. What we saw yesterday, especially from Trevor Lawrence too, is kind of mm-hmm. like maybe they're just one step away from the big moment. You know, like maybe they're just like a playoff game away. Like okay, get in there, maybe you lose to the Chargers, and then next year you end up playing a lot better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Jags yesterday, I was, I was kind of in on them. I'm like, yeah. okay, maybe they could win a playoff game, maybe even two, maybe an upset. But no, it, I I think the Chargers are going in there and, and smacking them. By the way, um, Kyle Shanahan against Pete Carroll is 4-10 and 10 yeah. in his career. So just, I'm saying. just a little bit of context. Look, I just looked at Boffo right away. It's like Boffo and I are... I, well, here's, here's the thing. You know I'm not going to bet the Seahawks. Yeah. I will absolutely not bet my own team in a playoff game. Like there's no yeah. way in hell. <laughs> there's no way. So I could have a benefactor that's like, I'm putting the money down on your behalf and I would decline. Like I would say, thank you, but no, thank you. Please (laughs) donate that money to a charity. Um, Kyle Shanahan, four and 10 against Pete Carroll is a real thing. I've said this this division is very much a rock, paper, scissors, weird thing where McVay has always owned Pete Carroll, but then Pete Carroll beat him twice this year. So I don't know. Um, And then the Niners have kind of been owned by Pete Carroll. A lot of that was the Russell Wilson era, but no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Not this year, though. (laughs) That 10 points is a mighty line for Brock Purdy and a head coach that just can't beat Pete Carroll. Just saying. I'm just saying. Anyway. It um, is a mighty line. I'll give you that. So, Simon, was there any for you that, you know, like there's one team that you thought, 
Cowboys is a good one, honestly. Yeah. Like, the, I, I think that they were trying to win for a chunk of that game, at least. Like, trying mm-hmm. to get something going. That was a pretty bad loss. And, like, we, I think people all season have been talking mm-hmm. about, like, oh, like, what if Brady and the Bucks get it going? Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Dallas going into Tampa. First losing season of Brady's career. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's insane. Yeah. That was pretty nuts. Anyway, yeah, I just, that, that game to me is like, yeah, I'll probably take the Bucks and the points. Yeah. That's the thing, right? You take the points. They might yeah, not win, probably. but like, they're going to be dogs at home with Brady. Yes. The this has Dallas going in and choking to Tom Brady in the fourth quarter final drive. I know, but oh, yeah. written all over but, it. And okay. then all of a sudden the yeah. Cowboys become like a Sean Payton potential team because they're going to have another... But yeah, I'm kind of stepping on tomorrow. Maybe we will end up doing a pick or a prop or something tomorrow and switch it up. But, like, if I was doing fishy lines today, the fishiest line is that the Cowboys are favored by three. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, it just is. It just doesn't make any sense, which makes me feel like the Cowboys are going to win that game and Vegas knows a thing or two. Mm-hmm. Because, like, to me, you could flip this line and I wouldn't have batted an eye. Oh, yeah. Not at all. So, yeah. Anyway, it's just, it's a little, it's a, it's a little strange. Anyways, quick break. Let's come back and let's hit what we missed. Sportsnet 590. Okay, it's what we missed. I kind of jinxed Simon during the break. I was like, you're doing good today. It's your first show. No, you're doing great. And now he's like, thanks. And he's going to choke hard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. What did we miss? So Fred Van Vliet. Yeah. uh, The whole contract Mm -hmm. extension drama has continued. Um, We have the audio from the Josh Lewinberg about Fred talking about no, it. Wait, this is it's Fred speaking. Yeah, it's Fred speaking. Yeah. Yeah. So Lewinberg reported that he turned yeah. down a $150 yeah. million dollar contract. And that was just kind of a throwaway thing in a piece that was like a yeah. very spicy headline <laughs> by my boy. First guy I ever did a podcast with in Toronto. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, first one. Yeah. Horribly named Full Court Press. Full Ooh, Court nice. Press. Yeah. Um, wow. Anyway, we did that and we were in college together. Um, and... Yeah, like, listen, I actually thought my boy J. Lou made a pretty decent case about, like, the ways the Raptors have failed Fred. I would say that it's not a one-way thing, but whatever. That's mm. the way that tweets go to get traction. But, yeah, yeah um, Fred addressed it. We'll play some of it here. I'm going to do a lot more of this tomorrow, by the way. Like, the Raptors are a huge story in the city. I want yeah. to do Leafs midseason grades. Like, I plan out my guests for the show. And, yeah, we have Alex Wong tomorrow. Blake's coming back later in the week. Like, I've, I've got plenty of Raptors stuff. We're trying to plan on some bigger Raptors names that we're really trying to kind of shake out for these next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Like, the Raptors are a really big story where they are right now. And like I said, the Scotty Barnes thing is not a nothing the way that some people try to make it seem. Yeah. Like, Scotty Barnes getting into it with a teammate in front of everybody, it's, it's not nothing. Like, stop pretending it is yeah i don't it doesn't need to be the world's biggest deal scotty barnes went out there and had a good game but it's not a nothing just like all this fred stuff is and like i i said earlier in the show that this is a team that is kind of pulling in multiple different directions and i don't think that guys feel that the ground is very stable beneath them they've got a coach who's been very demanding they've got players who've been overtaxed they don't know if they're making the playoffs or not some of those guys don't know if they're going to be here for some guys it probably feels like a bit of a wasted season anyways fred after it was reported by josh addressed it this was what he had to say about the $114 million that he was allegedly turned down during the offseason. I was never made a formal offer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we all understand what comes with the contract extension due to the CBA. If you understand how the cap works and, and how the contracts work, um, there's a two-year anniversary that sparks the discussion of 
taking an extension. Um, there was never a formal offer made. Uh, it was a mutual decision by both sides that the smart thing to do would be to wait it out. There was no rush, given that I can still sign the extension um, all the way throughout the end of the season. I also have a player option in my contract this summer, and we can deal with that at the end of the season. And I also am on the books for next year. Yeah, so. yeah. Okay, so... Anyway, he goes on to say a little bit more. Maybe we'll play more tomorrow, depending on it. I actually want to play more from his J.J. Redick interview because I haven't really had a chance to get to that. That was the main reason <laughs> that I wanted to have Alex in the first place and Blake, who knows yeah. him pretty well. Um, I trust Josh, okay? And, mm-hmm. and, like, he can say all this stuff about the formal thing or the mutual decision, but it's like, yeah, dude, um, pretty sure if the, that number came up that the Raptors were saying, we can give this to you now. Yeah. And he was like, I'm going to bet on myself because I'm Fred Van Vliet. And he could get a little bit more money. And he never saw a scenario where his value would drop off to a certain degree. Yeah. I think he said it. He's like, I knew I had my player option. I was set up for some security if something really bad happened. But I was willing to roll the dice that I could get a little bit more than $114 million. But I'm sorry, this whole, like, this, this is parsing by an athlete, clearly, about the whole lack of formal offer. Like, it's very clear to me, anyways, that if Fred wanted $114 million from the Toronto Raptors this year, it was available. Yeah, and that yeah. the quote-unquote mutual decision is like the Raptors saying, yeah, sure, we're cool to wait too. I, I don't think that these teams ever foresaw this scenario where things were going to go this south this badly. But my understanding of things is that, I've said this before, and Fred ended up kind of indicating as much throughout that podcast, but I said it with Grange that there had been a little bit of stuff percolating below the surface with Fred now for a little while. Yeah. And it seems like he is quite upset with how much he's had to play that they haven't developed other guys. And then, but also at the same time wants the ball more like he doesn't like his role. He doesn't like his minutes. He doesn't mm-hmm. like that. He's not healthy. He doesn't like that. He's not winning. Like he's just not a happy guy right now. Yeah. Like he's yeah. not in a good place. Yeah. And I don't know what the Raptors do with that. I think his value should remain high. Mm-hmm. I still think that the Dallas Mavericks should be doing whatever they possibly can to try to dump our Latvian boy Bertans onto the Raptors' <laughs> lap and the Frankie Smokes contract with a, like a bunch of picks. I mean, yeah. the Mavs have been dying for a secondary ball. I know that's forever. it. A guy who can play off ball with Luca, yeah. and it's like, yeah. yeah, you basically get a different Jalen Brunson, but a guy that I think mm-hmm. is a more reliable three-point shooter. Hopefully, if he's at his best. Anyways, the Fred thing is, it's it's not going anywhere. Well, um, all this Fred stuff too is like kind of stuff that you've been saying all season. Is like the vibes on the team are just weird. They are. You know? And you're he's hearing, like one of their leaders. Yeah, you're hearing whatever reported. Yeah. Fred's saying another thing. Even the like Thad and Scotty stuff that you guys talked about in the open. Like yeah. it's not a huge deal, but it's also the like it's just weird. No, it's, just a it's, weird... it's not. It's not good, man. The Raptors situation is bad, and yeah. I'm it's like, I hate it because I think they're going to win these next two games against Charlotte. Or you're terrified, eh? That they're well, going to go two and zero. Well, I just I, what I really don't want is for people to go. Oh, well, there's actually so much of the season left, and the schedule is fine. It's like no, this is the turning the point. point. The point of this team yeah. is not that they're completely broken in a way, because I actually think they have awesome pieces that they can just kind of still build around on the fly. Yeah. But no, to me, it's pretty clear that they they cannot, from an asset management standpoint, go through this and stand pat and have their team get the record run up and end up in the middle of the pack and and risk losing out on what is a very special top of the draft. Mm-hmm. It would be uh, it would be completely idiotic. Anyway, we ran out of time for all the other things, but I will just say that the LeBron thing was super annoying. Oh him tweeting, oh my him tweeting, him doing an interview where it was like the nothing burger, and then him tweeting at Sam Amick in a trap, trapping <laughs> poor Sam Amick. Yeah, hey, my patience is classic, classic LeBron, just capping the whole way. Le <laughs> Cap, Beethoven, Le <laughs> Cap. Anyway, uh, subscribe to the podcast, leave a five star review. It really helps me out, and we'll be back tomorrow.